0: The Incomparable, number 278, December 2015.
1: Hello everyone, welcome back to The Incomparable and another in our series of shows celebrating and discussing Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens. Hey! (laughs) I am your host, Anthony Johnston, and as you have probably noticed, I am not Jason Snell uh in fact i'm not even one of the usual panelists because i live in the uk and normally when those guys are recording it's about 3 a.m here so uh instead we're we've decided we're going to call this episode how the north feels about star wars and we're recording at a more civilized hour for a more civilized show uh (laughs) thank you liz (laughs) one person that'll do
0: (laughs) sorry i'm I'm very cheap for star wars Uh, jokes
1: (laughs) uh you will find usually find me, funnily enough, elsewhere on the incomparable network hosting uh, the podcast "Unjustly Maligned," where, by coincidence, we have, in fact, well, although my guests have, I haven't defended uh, the Star Wars prequels um, to a certain extent, you anyway. know. But Shame my, I know, but my love of original trilogy Star Wars runs. Very, very deep and very long, right back to seeing A New Hope in the cinema when it was originally released. And so, joining me to talk about, let's be honest, the true successor to that original trilogy is, from Scotland, Liz Miles. You heard her laughing a minute ago.
2: Hello. Also from Scotland, James Thompson. I'm silently giving you a thumbs up using a lighter.
1: (laughs) I love that bit. And finally, across the pond in wintry Massachusetts, it's Dan Moran
3: it's very seasonable in wintry massachusetts it's a balmy 50 or 60 degrees fahrenheit here so yeah maybe a little less north than usual
1: i have no idea what that 50 what's that mean what is i do what's it's, that it's in like, real temperatures
3: it's like it's like cool and rainy It oh, okay. fe- it's like scotland basically <laughs> it feels like scotland here it's actually <laughs> unseasonably
1: mild here as well at the yeah moment. it's yeah.
2: really warm
1: well i wouldn't go that far
2: <laughs> well i came out of uh, uh star wars at like three in the morning, wearing a t-shirt, and I was not. Uh, oh wow! Not falling wow. to the ground. If you're just
3: joining us, this is the weather podcast.
2: <laughs> the weather <laughs>
3: vertical, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm underwater, so. Oh <sighs> no. Yeah, That's we fun.
1: we almost are here we almost are here as well actually I'm here in the lovely wet and windy northwest of England and it is very very wet here we had flood warnings all over the place. Ah,
0: uh, yes, you're 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 yes, you're probably well, worse off. Though, yes.
1: so. Welcome to the north. Mm. So, uh and welcome to the show everyone. Dan, forgive me, I'm going to skip over you uh, for a moment because, Good of nuts. course, you were on the sort of the big show discussing this with Jason and Serenity and John Syracusa. So, uh, Liz, do you have, before we sort of get into discussing, you know, characters and moments, do you have any sort of broad opening remarks that you want to make about your relationship to Star Wars? Um,
0: yes. Yes, I do.
1: Thank goodness for that. <laughs> Go ahead.
0: <laughs> I... I watched Star Wars in very much the wrong order. I was, I'm, I'm a bit too young to have seen any of the cinema. I can't remember a time when I hadn't seen Return of the Jedi. And I was quite young when I saw The Empire Strikes Back. And I remember the first time I saw A New Hope and watching it thinking, oh, I can't believe I've never seen this before. This is amazing. And I was at least 10 or, so I'm not entirely sure that's um, the most sensible order to have seen them in, but uh, it's kind of, it's its like a build-up. Because my favorite of one of the Urchin trilogy is the first one, so it's exciting that way. Um, so when they came back, I was quite—I was reasonably excited, and then very quickly unexcited and sad. Um, but my my Star Wars vanish first love, as it were, is in the computer games verse of Knights of the Old Republic uh-huh. and its sequel, and the Ent Morgue, of which I—I I don't want to think about how many hours, I valuable <laughs> hours, I've spent. Um, Playing that goddamn game with its ridiculous rules and things, and basically, I, I, I spend you kill Jedi, make money, buy plant pots, decorate your house is what I do on that a lot. <laughs> so I care a lot about Star Wars, obviously. Clearly, um,
1: just uh, okay. So, ah, uh, how did the whole "I am your father" thing go for you then? If you'd seen, if you saw Empire first. Or did you say? Did you say you saw Jedi first?
0: I saw Jedi first. Jedi? Oh, well, because wow. it was in Jedi, so I just that doll was just been a thing that was known. Oh, right, right. It's, so it's—I like, don't remember not knowing that.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: <laughs> so it was not a, it, So it was very. So certain moments of this story, of this film, were very exciting because so it's like, oh my goodness!
1: I think right twists. things that you're learning for the first time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, it was. It was. Oh, it was very nice to see a new Star Wars movie at the cinema and for it not to be terrible. I like that feeling. I'd I think like that's a sentiment
1: more. we're all having right now, isn't it? Yeah, James, what
2: about you then? Well, Star Wars was the first film I saw in the cinema as well in 1978, I think it was. It was either that or The Cat from Outer Space, um, both of which are now, <laughs> wow. di- now Disney cool. movies, now that I think about it. But it's pretty much impossible for me to judge whether it's a good film or not because it was the first and because I've seen it so many times since and I grew up with all the merchandise. And I do mean Star Wars, not the cat from outer space. (laughs) But let me tell you how badly I was burned by The Phantom Menace. So about three weeks before The Phantom Menace opened, I was visiting the Bay Area for my day job at a certain fruit-based company. Um while I was over there I had the chance to visit Skywalker Ranch through a friend that worked at the sadly departed Lucasart's. So we drive up to the front gate, we get let in, we get a little sheet of paper with the rules of the ranch on it. So no photos unless somebody else is in the photo, that sort of thing. And I got the full tour. I saw the library that had Luke's lightsaber and Indy's hat and whip in a little display case and everything. There was a vineyard. Um And I was sitting in the main building having my lunch. And I was told that George was literally upstairs editing the final cut of The Phantom Menace. (laughs) And I think it's fair to say that I was quite excited at this point. And on the way out, I was walking back down the driveway. And I may have actually been picking up a small pebble from said driveway, which I may still have. (laughs) (laughs) Like moon dust. pebble (laughs) thief! You stole that pebble from Disney. George drives past in his car and actually waves at me. And he might have just been telling me to put the pebble back. Put the pebble back. (laughs) But I I mean, I was convinced it was actually an ILM prop, George, that they have wave at everyone who comes to visit. (laughs) But anyway, the point is that I came out of that whole experience convinced that The Phantom Menace would be the single greatest film of all time. (laughs) Oh, no. So I think I have... I had... Further to fall than most people <laughs> so i went into this one with immense trepidation and in fact to counter my excitement before we went into it we sat and watched the star wars holiday special <laughs> right oh. before going in that's <laughs> unnecessary <laughs> so well i needed to
3: get my expectations down and i think it worked
2: oh oh
3: man <laughs> You taken a shot of castor oil or something you go with it.
1: <laughs> uh, oh, dear. Um, but you are feeling that same relief of, you know, I've seen a new Star Wars movie and it's not terrible.
2: Yeah, I mean, I came out of it thinking, yeah, that was a Star Wars movie. And it, it, right. It exactly. ticked all the boxes that I was looking for. And there was the sort of, for the first 15 minutes, it was like, you know, I was just thinking, don't screw this up, don't screw this up. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly.
2: <laughs> and, I, and I eventually just relaxed and enjoyed it. Yeah,
1: oh. yeah. I th- I think that was the, yeah. There was a point, and we'll come to that later. But there was a point where yeah, I sort of stopped thinking, please be good, and just went with it. And then I was just watching a movie. Yeah. Um, uh. I think Serenity made a really good point actually on that uh, earlier show. I say earlier show. God, what was it like? You know, less than forty-eight hours ago as we record. <laughs> um, that uh, that it just it feels like a Star Wars movie. It, in a way that the prequels don't, which is, you know, b- bizarre, obviously, being that they were made by Lucas, but they just didn't feel like Star Wars, whereas this really does feel like Star Wars.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, I saw the film, it was on the Wednesday at just past midnight, which I think was the first showings in the UK. And I've only seen it once because the first decent IMAX seats I could get after that point are on the 30th. Right. Um but So I've now probably forgotten pretty much everything that happened in the film. Oh, don't so worry. I, we'll so remind I should you. be an excellent guest. <laughs> <laughs> we'll I listen, remind you, don't worry. Um, I'm about two hours listening to the West Coast uh, Incomparable podcast on it. And I think right. you are still discussing the opening crawl by that point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're, we're
3: thorough.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, yeah, Dan. So, I mean... We already heard your thoughts in you know in general on that West Coast thing, but having had another couple of days now to sort of think about it, and I think you've seen it again in that time. Uh, as well, I
3: have you? not. I'm only I I would ho- I had hoped to go see it again, but it didn't work out that way. Oh, I'm probably going to no. go see it again this week with some family while I'm uh, away for the the holidays. But yeah, I, like James, I saw it once, and I'm still. Uh, I, I may be fuzzy on, on some things, but I'm looking forward to seeing it again, which is always a nice feeling for right, the yeah, Star right Wars yeah. movie. Well, um,
1: having had time to reflect and, you know, mm-hmm. given that we've been, everybody's doing all this podcasting and stuff about it, uh, we're all, as you joked on Twitter earlier, you know, every Slack channel that you're in is talking about Star Wars right now and everyone is typing is the mm-hmm. uh, status notification at the bottom. So... It's been on your mind, obviously. So having had time to reflect, you know, are you coming around to anything or changing your mind on anything or?
3: Well, I, I think, you know, I think the important thing to come away from this, it's it's really hard to put it into context because those earlier films, at least, you know, it sounds like for all of us, the original trilogy was such a big part of our lives. And, you know, we were exposed to it at an age where we weren't necessarily fully developed in our all of our critical faculties. And thus, it's always sort of occupied a place in our hearts of emotion. Not to say that it's not, they're not technically wonderful films. Um, But, you know, in the same way that I find that we, you know, we're, we're blind to many of the faults of things that we're exposed to as As very young kids, you know, we don't we we gloss over certain things that may be less perfect or other. Um, because of you know when we saw it and what it meant to us, and and none of that is wrong. I think it's harder to come into a movie like this um, when you, as we are now, much older than when we saw the original trilogy, and not be a little bit critical of it. And I and I definitely have criticisms of it. Um, I I think it's very hard for it in general to occupy even the same sort of level for me. I, I watched two days later. Um, I I after I saw Force Awakens, I watched Return of the Jedi to Show my cousin's kids because I've watched A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back with them, and we're you know, it's like time for them to see Return of the Jedi. And it was interesting watching that in such close proximity to The Force Awakens, um, because you know, we're sort of jumping from seeing Han Solo as a you know, as a grizzled old gray haired guy to you know, sort of back into his prime and and sort of trying to make that connection of okay, this is it's the same universe. It, it, I think it probably has a certain amount of disconnect in it as well, um, because I, I did love. Like the film, and and like I said, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it a, a second time. But in some ways, it also solidified for me that I can divorce this to a certain extent from the original trilogy and say, like, okay, you know, this is this is going back and revisiting some of the same characters. But if I really wanted to, you know, just sort of view the original trilogy as its own self-contained thing, I I feel comfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and in the same way, I imagine some people. Might feel similarly about something like, you know, Doctor Who, which obviously had a huge hiatus between incarnations as well. Um, so that there are people, you know, who, who might like, you know, the classic Doctor Who versus the more modern Doctor Who. And there's connections. It's undeniable that they take place, you know, that there's sort of a continuity run, running through all of it. But, you know, you can also still feel comfortable picking and choosing the parts of it that you right. want to think about. Um, and so for me, I, I really, um, it's it's fascinating because it it's not that it feels like fan fiction. It's it's obviously better. It does feel like Star Wars, you know. And the fact that it was made by someone who was legitimately a fan for the first time, um, you know, really colors it with a different uh, a different brush there. And I think what I've you know come to feel about it is like these may not be my Star Wars movies, but I'm still really happy that they're Star Wars movies and that this is a Star Wars movie because I do agree that it feels like a Star Wars movie in the way that the prequels never did. And Mm. even if it doesn't quite reach the heights of some of that original for me, just because of the context of when I saw it and how much it affected my life, I don't think that necessarily lessens the impact of it as a film for me.
1: Well, and just talking about the originals, treating the originals as a self-contained unit, I've been doing that uh, for the last <laughs> what 15 20 I, I years I think we all have because, to a right extent. exactly because uh, well the thing was that I saw phantom menace in the cinema and like everybody else I was terribly disappointed but I was so disappointed that I didn't even watch the other movies until <laughs> I until I did the sh- the yeah. podcast about them earlier this year on on Maligned*. I had not even seen clones or revenge oh. of the sith
0: what did you think of them?
1: I refused to watch them. I thought they were terrible. Yeah.
4: <laughs> um, and of and course they are a well-agree, yeah. but they
1: But that was how badly I hated Phantom Menace. I was just like, well, I'm not watching these other movies. There's no way they can redeem this film. And I was right.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I went from watching, you know, having seen Phantom Menace five times in the theatres because it took a while for it to Why? sink in. Wow. Um, well, hey, hey, at, at nineteen again, once again on that knife's edge of being a kid and being an adult and thinking,
1: right? Are these I was, a, I was tide. much older than you when I saw yeah, it.
3: Yeah, yeah, are these? Am I? Am I wrong? Am I wrong somehow for not liking these <laughs> movies? Is this a fault of mine? <laughs> there was a, there was definitely a feeling watching
2: it, thinking, this isn't good something's not right yeah Yeah, i'm just that well you know the music's right and everything looks right kind of oh no it didn't look right well
4: okay
3: but on the flip side like going into this movie and trying to i think it is like you guys were saying like the don't screw this up don't screw this up mentality and then being able to sort of like you know take a deep breath and say i'm just i'm just gonna watch the movie like that's a challenge right because there yeah. is so much of this period where it's like you're feeling like resistant like am i gonna get burned again um yep. is this yep. all a mistake and then it takes some time and that's why i'm looking forward to watching it again because having only seen it once i still had to contend with that whole feeling of uh, it's, right. should i commit should i let my should i open myself up to be hurt again trust me totally holds up yeah i'm looking forward to it i
2: I didn't buy a single piece of merchandise before i saw the film because (laughs) last time i bought lots of merchandise (laughs) james owns a full-size battle droid (laughs) (laughs) i found a a inbox my collection of you know like anakin skywalker figures and watu and whoever else that i had no idea who these people were and uh Recently, when there was the the Force Friday thing where all the merchandise was released for this film, I took a picture of all of them and tweeted it and said, oh, I'm so looking forward to seeing this new film. Um, Just to remind everyone. (laughs) Yeah, I, I
1: have no memory of, I mean, I have a couple of memories here and there, but no overall sort of memory of my life before Star Wars. I I literally, I was five years old when the first, when when A New Hope was released. I saw it in the cinema. It was one of the first, not the first, but one of the first films I ever saw in the cinema. And I literally do not remember my life before that point. Um, I, you know, toys, Panini sticker albums. Remember those, Brits? Um, (laughs) the, The first album I ever owned that my mother bought for me when I was, I think, seven years old was the London Philharmonic Orchestra recording... The Star Wars theme music and like very you know Luke's theme and Leia's theme and what have you, um, and that, it only it wasn't the whole soundtrack. It only took up <laughs> one side of the album, and the other side was I think it was Holst the Planets. It was really strange, but it had a X-wing on the front, so that was good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> when, when
2: I was when I was a small child and I was teething, I I chewed on the foot of a Wookie. So that, wow. that, that's that's my star wars wow. uh, uh,
0: i still have the first game that i ever bought myself well not taking myself with pocket money was rebel Salt for the pc oh, wow, when wow, i was, wow. I, was seven wow. eight. I still got it in the cover it's one of my favorite games even though i can't play it anymore because the computer doesn't <laughs> take the discs But classic game well,
1: maybe the closest comparison that i can think of for um uh, for younger listeners is like harry potter Like, think of how there is now... There's a whole generation who just know Harry Potter because it's everywhere. They've all seen all the movies, they've read all the books, they know all the characters, they know all the actors, and they assume that everybody their age also knows Harry Potter. Harry Potter is their thing. If you are that age, you know Harry Potter in the same way. And that's what it's like for people our age. We just know Star Wars. It's just there. And as you say, it becomes... As Dan was saying, it becomes so huge... And there's such an emotional connection to it because it's part of your childhood that it's really difficult to actually be objective and sort of critical. And I mean that in the, you know, traditional in the sense of the movies, because you have such a deep seated attachment to them. And, you know, you wouldn't have that attachment if they weren't great movies. Let's not Mm. forget that. That is kind of, you know, all uh, intellectual stuff aside. If they weren't actually just really good entertainment, then we wouldn't have that emotional connection to them. But, yeah, that's kind of, I think that's the best comparison that I've been able to come up with to make people realise what original Star Wars was like. And for this, I have, I did the whole, the full Syracuse. I avoided spoilers. I only watched <laughs> the official trailers. I didn't read any transmedia stuff. I didn't watch any transmedia stuff. I I didn't even know the names of the characters going that's into a,
3: this Wow. I did I, not. That I was is... unable to escape that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: I, I knew nothing um, and I I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I think that going in spoiler free actually really helped in that sense because I had no expectations. I literally had you know no sort of preconceived notions of anything about this movie.
0: Um, I managed to go in spoiler free as well, though I did know the names of the main characters in it. But to, sort of to assuage the, the terror and fear of the disappointment thing, um, I didn't get to see it till Saturday. So by then, loads of people had been going to <laughs> oh, go and see boy. it. So I managed to get a few, like, I, just give me a one word, non-spoilery opinion of it.
1: Just say, is it good? <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Basically, yes. And everyone said, well, it was all positive. So I was like, okay, it's not going to be terrible. I can relax. And yeah. as soon as, in fact, as soon as the scroll came up and I read the first three sentences, I was like... I can breathe out now. It's going to be fine. No, nothing
2: about trade disputes. <laughs> yeah. Nothing about trade
0: disputes.
2: I, I think we had an advantage in the UK because we saw it like more than 24 hours before the Americans. Oh, um, yeah. We, so, we really hate you for this.
4: <laughs> Yay, <laughs> I didn't actually. Won, I saw won. it on Friday.
2: So <laughs> well, I, so I saw it on the midnight showing. So like, there was no real chance of being spoiled unless any Australians had popped up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was it was good because I was going into it without knowing whether it was good or not. Because if if everybody had told me for yeah. a week that this mm. was a really good film, then I would have had more problems, I think.
3: Um, yeah, I, I tried to avoid even that because I was super worried. Uh, I
1: just switched. I closed down Twitter. I didn't go on Slack. <laughs> I mean, I, I barely all I did was read my email, basically, and read my replies on Twitter from monday through to friday
3: that's most of what i did and yet still i got like people in the replies i would like post things and they'd be like oh don't worry i think you'll enjoy it i'm like don't even tell me that (laughs) i think you'll enjoy the bit where this is this is why
0: i only wanted a one word review of it because that meant you could keep it that you couldn't oversell it with one word Right. Really. Yeah. So. True.
1: Well, apart from unless everybody said fantastic, you know, amazing, spectacular. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I think it, I th- well <laughs> No one did that. It was. It was. So I feel okay. So they're, they're obviously sensible people.
1: Hang on. Before we go any further, actually, let's just let's for people who are listening, who if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the movie yet, uh, I question your life choices. But <laughs> sound the spoiler horn. <laughs> And now we will, because I I wanted to be careful that we don't get into spoiler territory without warning people, at least. So, yes, now carry on.
2: So I went in and it was the first showing. And while I may own a full set of Jedi robes and possibly more than one lightsaber, I decided not to wear them and just go with a sort of understated New hope T-shirt shirt and that turned out to be quite wise because, aside from one Princess Leia, and I think a zombie Princess Leia, um, nobody else—that <laughs> was an else actual <laughs> zombie, James. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> nobody else at the cinema was dressed up at all. And I don't know if that was because people had been burned in the past by this dressing up and then finding out that the films were terrible, or and they didn't want to commit until they knew that the film was good. Or if it was just that this was Glasgow and wandering around in your dressing gown at three a.m. That was my first thought, to be honest. Generally,
3: <laughs> generally frowned upon. We we had we had some people in dress up at, at my local theater here, which is in sub, the sort of suburban Boston area. There was a there was a quite good uh, Cloud City Han and Leia as a couple, which was excellent. Oh. Uh, Hoth Leia, I think, was in there. I feel like there might have been a BB-8 too, and like it was, it was pretty good. It wasn't like a ton. Like having been to Star Wars Celebration earlier this year, wait, how that do you cosplay
1: BB-8 without taking up three seats in the cinema? You know, giant, people giant come Hamster up with some
3: Bowl. very clever things. Uh, I think it was like a hat. It was like a little BB hat of just the head. Uh, it was pretty good, though. Uh, I remember enjoying that. But yeah, having seen the the, the costumes trotted out. Uh, at the Star Wars Celebration this year, this was like, it was good, like more than you'd see for most movie openings, for sure, but not quite that level. In fact, one of the people that we went with, actually, my friend, um, had a great Ray costume. And so <gasps> clearly had been studying all the, uh, all the trailers and, and posters and everything beforehand to make that, which was pretty cool.
1: I was delighted to note that the I went to a 7.30 p.m. showing on the Friday, which is kind of like prime time cinema time, obviously. Um, But I was delighted to see that there were a lot of kids in the audience, a lot of, I mean, obviously a lot of people my age taking their kids along, uh, you know, sort of for nostalgic purposes and all that. Um, But yeah, just a lot of kids and the kids all really enjoyed it. You know, you could hear them all gasping and whooping and stuff while the film was on and then coming out afterwards. They all clearly had really enjoyed it. And I'm talking kids, you know, between the ages of six, seven and maybe, you know, 11 or 12, a good, fairly good range. So that i thought was really really positive and i just want to quickly conclude my points by saying the, the, the my concern like most of us was you know even if it's entertaining will it have an impact on me will i be thinking about it afterwards because like say the trek reboots jay abrams trek movies are entertaining movies i think they're great movies but i, I walked out the cinema and they just left my head you know I wasn't thinking about them for days afterwards. Whereas this, yeah, I have been thinking about this movie ever since I saw it. So I think it's safe to say that for for me at least, it has had yes, not as much impact as the original trilogy, but still much more impact certainly than the prequels um, and the many many other movies I've seen recently as an adult. Well, I
3: mean, and part of that I feel like is this the the place of this, as we discussed a little bit on the main show, the the place of this as the um, the launch pad, right? You know, because unlike so many other movies where it's like, well, this movie's going to come out, we're going to see if it does well or not, and if it does well, there'll be a sequel. And sometimes you'd lay down threads in that first movie where you're like, oh, you know, this might come up later. And so having this situation specifically where this foregone conclusion, we already knew that the sequels were coming, allows you to do things that leave the uh, you know questions to be answered much more blatantly. Like, this is the first chapter of a story in the way that a lot of movies... And, and not to say it's not self-contained. It doesn't tell a story within itself. Um, but the idea that like this is only the tip of the iceberg it deliberately
1: leaves a lot of threads dangling
3: yeah exactly and it provides you with so much opportunity to speculate about what is going to happen next because we already know there is a next you know it's not just like well if they decide to do another one it might be about this and that it's like no no, no. this there is going to be another one we know this leads directly into it and therefore we get all this chance to speculate about like what's going to happen with this and this who, who is this person what does this mean you know and so i think that's that's a particularly rich vein for speculation
1: mm, absolutely
2: it does worry wor- me a bit though because that the whole like we're going to get a new star wars film every year until we die and until you
3: die no <laughs> I, is that I shall happening? live forever <laughs>
2: um but you know it, it's it's like you know there were three films as we all know and now we're getting all these new films will they be and- devalued yeah, I mean yeah. it's like the first one obviously is going to have a massive impact, but is the you know, are you going to have diminishing returns and you know with all the spin-off films are we going to be cuz I mean I I really loved the uh, first Avengers movie. And by the time we got around to the second Avengers movie, I was like, well, this is kind of good, but it's it's a bit more of the same and, you know, and I was just that sort of disappointment and slightly jadedness with the the Marvel Um, superhero stuff was was beginning to kick in um i think as long as the uh the alternate movies if you
1: like the sort of you know the uh what are they calling them there is a a name that they're giving them oh
3: you know oh the the anthology films uh, the anthology that's it right star wars tales or some, right star wars
1: rogue squadron and all that sort of stuff as long as i think as long as those are disconnected enough from the main narrative of the main movies that you know Hopefully it will avoid that um, fatigue because I, I know what you mean. Yeah, it has it started to set in to an extent with the Marvel movies. But on the other hand, we've had a Fast and Furious movie every year for the past three years and they've all been brilliant. That, so That is,
2: well, apart from <laughs> yeah. three and two and... No 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 yes. I'm
1: saying for the past 3 years ever <laughs> yeah, since ever okay. since Fast 5 basically yeah. um so you know it can be done and with different directors as well that helps hopefully keep things fresh so I'm just looking at the poster here on the wikipedia page and I've remembered um when I saw the poster I at first thought that the woman was holding some kind of uh, Darth Maul like Lightsaber staff, and then I, I look closer and deliberate. realized that that's the guy in the mask's lightsaber, and she's just carrying a normal staff. And I actually thought, oh, they—that's del- a bit of a cop out. They want you to think that she's a Jedi, but actually she's not. It's just an optical illusion. Hey, hey.
3: You, you went too far. You went too far <laughs> so past. I it. thought
0: the exact opposite of that. I thought, oh, they want you to hint that she's going to get a double-bladed lightsaber at some point. Despite the fact that all the Promo stuff was suggesting that it was all going to be what's it, Finn, who was the Jedi.
1: Right. Well, including the main poster, he's holding the blue lightsaber in the poster. Yeah.
2: Right. And I, yeah. I I, looked at that poster and then there were people saying, oh, that's terrible. There's a really big spoiler on that. And I'm like, there was. And I would look back and I, I hadn't seen the sort of Death Star-like ball that was in the background of the shot like how could I, was you just, not see yeah. it? I, I don't know but i was like kind so of focused in. on all the people in the front i didn't see this giant thing oh,
0: but then i, I but I, then i is decided is really a spoiler though the, the evil empire's plans a super weapon we'd never have guessed a
2: ball-shaped super weapon but i did decide basically i, I looked at it again and i thought no that's actually it's bb it's dad
3: bb7 uh i you know it's funny when i was at the star wars celebration in april uh they had a bunch of the costumes from the force awakens and we were sort of i was there with a couple of my friends and we were debating like do we go in yeah it's gonna be spoiler and and me and one of my friends ended up going in and the one thing that was we we thought was basically oh this is this is kind of a spoiler that we got away from that was they had john boyega's costume and it had lightsaber it had a concept drawing attached to it in which there was a lightsaber on his belt and we're like oh it gave away that he's uh, going right. to have a lightsaber which of course is also kind of a fake out so in yeah, that way yeah. it was funny cuz it set like you guys with the poster it set me up thinking in one direction and of course that's not entirely true i i, I was just
1: overthinking it it turns out
3: yeah. There was a spoiler ju- that I did see, which was annoying.
2: Which was um, uh, Harrison Ford was asked what his favourite scene of the film was, and he said oh. something like, "Oh, it's Ray's lightsaber battle at the end."
3: What? Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> and that was like, <laughs> at least at least you didn't, you didn't say getting stabbed. <laughs> yes, <Yeah. was, laughs> that bit where I died.
0: Oh, oh no. um, uh, good choice, Harrison Ford. Good choice. Yeah,
2: good choice. <laughs> Just keep it to yourself.
1: Can we just take a moment, actually, to give props to, you mentioned BB-8, and to uh, praise the animators of BB-8? Because, you know, here's a character like R2-D2, who, you know, says nothing, just bleeps and boops, nothing intelligible to human ears. And yet, like R2, and I would say actually even more than R2, they give him such an amazing personality. He is an instantly likable, lovable character. Uh, with yeah, nothing but you know, two balls and some bleeps and boops.
0: He it's... is basically a robotic hamster. I like <laughs> his little purring motion as well that he does sometimes. That's just so cute.
1: Yes, well, and the rocking back and forth, and you know, tilting his head to sort of be sad and things like that. And yes, the the thumbs up with the lighter was you know, that but everybody <laughs> laughed at that. <him. laughs> if I'm
2: if I'm correct, I think he was. It was a purely a physical prop, so yes. it was puppeteered, basically. Well,
1: I don't think... I don't know about purely. I'm sure there were some parts where they CGI'd it in, but yes, the mm. st- the close-up stuff where it was with the actors, yes, that was a, a, a physical prop, which is
2: kind of amazing. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing just as a slight tangent that the The things that bothered me the most in the film were um, the the CGI characters mm. because everything was so real and you know let's build all the X wings let's do all this and then the um, Snoke and the Maz Kanata uh, and just, and the Trader and the Tars. they were the four
1: C- big CGI creatures mm-hmm. and they kind of. I was just
0: tricked into thinking that they were real because everything else looks so real, so I just <laughs> assumed by that point that oh of course it won't be CGI, don't be ridiculous, they're making real <laughs> things this time. <laughs>
2: well the, the the Snoke one I think just was the was the, the thing that took me out of the movie. Um and It's Gollum. And, yeah, well it's Gollum and I like the fact that he like clearly has some Napoleon complex and is about the size of Yoda. Because he projects himself as this,
1: (laughs) everybody's assuming that, aren't we? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Well, I I do feel like it is kind of a that feels more deliberate to me. I agree that I found it a little more off-putting even than you know the the Emperor's giant head and Empire Strikes Back. Um, but I have to wonder if that, that's a deliberate obfuscation. It certainly seems like it. But I, and I really liked Maz as a character. I do agree with the people who are asking, like, could, could we, and cause that's the fabulous Lupita Nyongo, and mm. couldn't we have just had her, you know, yeah. as a, as a live actor? And I feel like it probably would have been, felt like a very different character in some ways. But I would have been totally okay with that because she's she's obviously fabulous and I, she does a great job with that like CGI character. That might be my yeah, favorite yeah. CGI character.
2: I thought the character was good. It was just visually, I think, it took me out. Right. And also the fact that as soon as I'd thought of Edna Mode from The Incredibles, <laughs> that was
4: stuck in my head.
1: <laughs> yeah, I she's
3: the, the kid of her and Yoda, yeah. I kept thinking
1: yeah. of Hetty from NCIS Los
4: Angeles.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I was... I was thinking about these CGI creatures and yeah, like I said, there's four main CGI non-humans in the movie and they're all obviously CGI. Like none of the, none of them sort of passed the test of like, Oh, I didn't realize that was CGI.
4: But I speak for yourself. <laughs> oh,
1: sorry, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us are easily filled, but I, I, then I was thinking about it more and especially when I saw it again and I thought, you know, is this any worse than things like the Rancor, or the Hothwamper or Yoda, like in the original trilogy, where they were either puppets or stop motion. And it's not like we didn't know. You know, it's not like we couldn't tell that they were special effects as well, you know? I,
3: I was going to argue with you on that point on Yoda, who I... Yeah, who I, I, I agree. Yeah, there's a conscious knowledge, certainly, that this is not a real thing. But just even going back and watching that and knowing that he's not real there's something there's an animus like a human animus to him because of the fact that there is a a person portraying it in like a very physical way that that always that i find much more plausible um and, don't and get me
1: wrong the performance is amazing uh and you know i mean the dark crystal is one of my favorite movies ever and that's the same basically the same sort of puppetry as yoda you know i have nothing against it and i think it's it was an amazing it's
3: performance. Certainly better than the CGI Yoda that we got in the prequels. <laughs> oh, but yeah. I will agree with you on the sense <laughs> of the Rancor. You know, having gone back, like I said, just watched Jedi. You know, it's clear to me that based on just sort of the camera angles and stuff, that the Rancor is clearly a model. Still scary enough for my like, you know, my cousin's kids. To of like, course, no, yeah. No, no, look at that. Yeah. But it's it is it is. There's watching watching
1: Ray it, Harryhausen. Yeah. You know, Jason and the Argonauts right. with the exactly. animated skeletons. Ooh. We can we know it's a special effect, but that doesn't. Make we can it. suspend
2: that disbelief. Right. Yeah. But I think for the rest of the film, it, you know, it, it's something that you could look at 20 years later or something or 30 years later and it it would hold up. Uh, and I think that's one reason why I think the, the original films hold up, especially in the sort of despecialized, let's strip everything out of them mm. versions um, because, you know, they were physical things that they were filming. Uh, and, you know, the, this film is in no way... As bad as the prequels in terms of the CGI stuff, but yeah. those those were the things I think that s- stuck out because everything else was just right.
0: Yeah, I think it's I well, definitely having having real sets made. I think it also made such a huge difference to the actors' performances as well as just the way mm-hmm. that you were looking at it. You didn't feel that you were watching someone else play a god awful computer game for most of the time. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I I'm okay. I'm always prefer model work to CGI, even when it's like cheap model work. Because it just it will look better if it doesn't look better now. It's going to look better in ten or twenty years' time anyway, and uh, and I think here it did feel that even though they did use CGI, it was in service to the actual real stuff rather than trying to use it to replace anything real.
2: That that's one of the things that I'm really looking forward to is whatever massive extended box set Blu-ray we get with all the making of stuff because there's probably tons oh, I of CGI. Wait for that. There's probably a ton of CGI that we're not seeing.
1: Oh yeah, th- this is the thing like these four creatures are the obvious CGI but I'm sure there isn't a frame of this movie that yes. doesn't have some yeah. CGI right, in it yeah. somewhere but and that that's how the beauty it of it. it should be
0: used yeah. where it can be put in seamlessly so you don't notice it not to be used as the whole construction and foundations of your yeah, thingamajig. Yeah
1: exactly exactly so uh all right let's move on to characters let's elephant in the room uh is as there it, an elephant yeah <laughs> uh yeah he's in the background wandering around with a stormtrooper <laughs> he's, he's cgi though <laughs> yeah oh my
0: god <laughs> is Jar thinks in this movie and i just didn't notice is that what you're trying to tell me no oh.
1: so we uh we were talking about this off air before we started there is this whole sort of there's the backlash you know there's people doing their hot takes uh about how this is actually a terrible movie and we're all fools and you know whatever
0: oh my God, is it oh uh, yeah tricked?
1: you tricked? don't go on the internet it's a terrible place um <laughs> and ray people complaining that ray is a mary sue and she's overpowered and Who all are of these this rubbish and Right. I want to get, specifically, uh, Liz, I want to get your opinion about that.
0: Oh my God. <laughs> what? Can I swear in this podcast? Is uh, that...
1: You'll probably if, get read out. If anything deserves uh, it, it's so alright right, I'll, I'll
0: switch to British now. What the bleeding Dickens nonsense <laughs> is that Ray is an absolutely amazing character. Ray is the character that I deserved at 12 years old to get, but I didn't get. I got those Lumen prequels instead this is the star wars movie that i should have had as i was growing up ray is amazing the actor is obviously fantastic but here we have she is getting the major hero arc of the story it's her who's the star which was just a slow realization going into the movie it was my, my my main pleasure was this just slowly being realizing that that she was the one who was going to, in fact, be the hero at the end. It was all focused on her. The other ones weren't, weren't forgotten, but they were working in service to her central pillar type thing. Overpowered? Don't be bleeding ridiculous. She's doing some little force tricks so she can work out how to do it. It's interesting because it's doing a different thing to what we've seen before. It's not someone being trained by a mentor. She has no mentor and is figuring it by herself. That's Different and interesting. And of course she's a flawed character. She's so emotionally sharp edges everywhere because she's had to be, because she's shut down and isolated and a bit grumpy and touchy, And she just happens to be really good at engineering as well. Well, it makes sense given the context that she's out scavenging all this tech all over the place. Why not? And in order to survive, she's going to have to keep her little um, landspeeder thing going anyway. So, um, yeah, Ray was... Amazing. And my actual favourite moment in all of the Star Wars movies now is the moment we get in the fight where we know what's happening when the little lightsaber starts to shake. <laughs> but actually seeing it shoot out of the snow past... Um, Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren. I knew that. And into her hand and her igniting it. That was just... That was amazing.
2: I, I definitely thought that was the best that moment of the film. It, yeah. was, mm.
0: it was... And just... Getting it's it's been a very good year being a woman liking science fiction things. I keep getting things that I like and pander to, and I assume it's like this for guys all the time when they watch movies exactly. and television. Yeah, that, that's
2: it's just,
0: bloody that's 90% brilliant. Of the time. That's
1: exactly the point, and that's why these it complainers annoy me so much. So it's like you have good. everything else, including the original trilogy, by
0: yeah. the way. Oh, are the men who are complaining? Oh, they should that. Oh, anyway, but yes, no, amazing. I love her. I adore her. I did. The, the, I do collect some Star Wars action figures, mostly the women who are in the movies. And I did get a real one before the film and then feel like, oh, dear God, have I just jinxed it? Does this mean <laughs> going to be terrible because I bought a piece of merchandise? I'm so glad I did. I love her. She is my hero.
1: I agree with you 100%. And it's interesting that you mentioned her sort of being a damaged character emotionally because that's... Uh, a sort of an argument a discussion that i saw between uh several women actually on twitter talking about this a couple of days ago and saying that you know what a lot of the fanboys are missing is that yes she may already know how to do a few things that she won't need to be taught like she doesn't need to be taught how to fly or how to fix a starship or whatever but mm-hmm. instead what she will have and you can see this coming, is she's going to have an emotional arc because she is clearly so emotionally flawed as a character. Whereas Mm. in the original trilogy, even Luke, okay, he was a bit whiny, but basically he was pretty much all there. He just had to learn how to do a few things like you know, use the force and fight with the lightsaber and stuff. She knows how to do some of that stuff already, but she is so damaged emotionally. And I think a lot of, frankly, male fans... Are missing that because it's not something that we normally get with male characters. It's not something that we normally have to kind of think about it as a character arc.
0: I think it, well, I I think it's quite actually quite kind of a popular one. It's it's got a slightly different emphasis, but where you have a male character who is like emotionally withdrawn and he needs to find the right woman to help him heal and become <laughs> an emotionally rounded person, that's a fairly common trope. And I I think seeing that apply to a woman and for her to she I love that she is so grumpy and touchy throughout it in really quite a snappy way. It's great because that's often those are so often portrayed as very negative things on a woman. You must be look pretty and nice and be happy and pandering to everyone around you. And she doesn't and it's it's fab. And just to make it extra delightful, she's paired with with Finn, who is another very emotionally damaged character yeah. who looks as though he's going to have the hero arc. and our gung-ho hero who doesn't have is is completes their sort of little trilogy but is in the sort of the little box of the trilogy is is the the white guy hero who can pile it really well and it's sort of it's it feels so much like it's been written by someone who really cares about not excluding people from the star wars universe and instead of oh it's just it makes me so sad with the star wars movies how there's basically i know there's more than one woman but basically there's one woman in each film and here is a film that even if it's not 50 50 it's still bajillion it's times better close. than yeah. any what, other one it's gorgeous
2: one of the things i was going to ask is in the cinema what was the gender split because uh in the showing that i saw which was you know like the first showing it was way less than a quarter of the people in the cinema were women uh so it was oh wow quite heavily biased towards men and uh, that I think that'll change. Yeah, over I the think coming it. W- I was that was my hope, basically, because this is a film that's obviously you know young girls. It would be absolutely ideal for. But then uh, the the whole stuff with the Disney marketing, where you know th- uh, Ray, who as we've said is basically the main character, isn't featured in the sort of the various packs of figures or whatever. Oh god, yeah, atrocious.
0: Yeah. But I, I think now that it's out, and one sort of word spreads that you get and you get her and you get her interactions with leah and you get her interactions with um lupita nyonga's character i've forgotten the the name and they're just they're they're both so delightful and she they're mentorish in different ways and it's it's very good
1: my favorite well not favorite i would say but the bit that made me laugh with ray more than any other uh in this movie and you know the stormtrooper you will undo these restraints yes that was that was very funny especially knowing that it was daniel craig under yes. this um
2: <gasps> oh did you not know no
4: it yeah, was, right? that, was yeah, <laughs> that was his cameo yeah
2: there's tons of cameos in this. like the um her junk dealer guy was it's simon pegg simon pegg, simon pegg
1: yeah. yeah yeah but my the bit that made me laugh with her was um you know when her and finn first meet and there's the whole like why do you keep grabbing my hand I, I know how to run let go um but then when they get uh when the tank gets blown up attacked by tie fighters and they get blasted back and they're sort of both you know recovering they get up and he immediately turns to her and goes are you all right and she's already on her feet and she doesn't even say much she just sort of looks at him and goes yeah yeah, come on, run. I laughed so hard at that because that is such such an inversion of a stereotype. I like the bit it.
2: where he was running towards the fight and then <laughs> yes. by the time he gets there, she's already defeated everybody and he just kind of yeah. looks sheepish and goes, oh, but okay. If,
1: when you watch it again, in that scene, just look specifically at Daisy Ridley's acting. It's, just it's a watch.
3: good expression. She
1: mm. is so good because she barely says anything but her expression says everything mm. in that moment it's so good
2: i mean there's so many explicit call outs like there's the thing where um han is trying to give her a blaster and she's like i can take care of myself and he's like yeah i know that's why i'm giving you a blast yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
3: that was very good
1: yes it was yeah yeah she's she's brilliant and I, uh, I
3: don't get so you know coming at this from the the perspective of you know a, a white guy um yeah i just don't get the people pushing back on this like i love fantasy and science fiction of all kinds you know and years i've read books with female protagonists i've read books with male protagonists there's certainly a lot more of those uh, i just don't get why people are so pissy about. well this i mean are, is it just to a, that it's just, it just it's so a ind- loud minority i mean yeah i exactly, i don't know yeah. and, I, and yeah. I hope not and, Or sorry i hope so because i really I, I think she's a fabulous character i think she's fantastic um I I, I have so
1: many friends, especially in the comics industry community uh, with young daughters and I I need to I need to talk to them. I cannot wait to hear what their reaction is going to be about this movie and how overjoyed I know they are going to be that they can take their daughters. their you know, sort of seven, eight, nine year old daughters to see a Star Wars movie and know that their daughter is going to be looking up on the screen and going, that's me.
3: Yeah, I mean, this is exactly what. So you know, I was saying, I I showed Return of the Jedi to my cousins' kids, who are both girls, and I'm like, I'm super psyched about like now that they've seen, you know, four, five, and six. I'm like, now I get to, you know, we hopefully we can take them to Episode Seven because I think they will be so excited by this, you know, and like having character, you know, characters who look like them up on the screen and who will get to like, you know, kick ass with a lightsaber and you know. that's awesome that's great i just i really the this the backlash to this just makes me sad it makes me upset you know and it's just like i wish these people would just sort of get over that and just enjoy enjoy a film that that has a strong you know not just a strong female character but like just a a fully realized just a good female just just a good character that she's female is almost even secondary to that right like you know it's great that she's a woman but like why are you fixating on that
0: for a woman, it's not secondary because there's so few of them. It really matters. And I, I, the strong female character phrase is a very, I never use that. I prefer to use interesting female character. I'd also want weak female characters who are cowards and frightened and terrified and scream as well. I want a full and broad range of all humanity things
3: yeah and i want to say not that i didn't mean strong as in like yeah. physically or emotionally strong but as like a, a strong character right like a character who is built well a three-dimensional character and i you it's know it's such not a misunderstood
1: to... phrase that isn't it yeah, yeah, exactly it's, it's, right. the yeah. wrong, it's
0: well, a slightly wrong emphasis yeah like, yeah the well-developed
3: character who is not just like there as the girlfriend or as someone to be like <laughs> as in so many you know franchises killed off to give the male protagonist a reason to go do their thing right like all of that is terrible and it's just and liz you know, is
1: right it does matter um i mean there's a there's a a wonderful line that joss whedon gave in an interview many years ago which i have stolen and used myself many many times because i write uh comics and you know books and stuff with female protagonists Almost exclusively, not quite exclusively, but almost exclusively. And whenever I get asked why, why is this character a a woman? Why do you write, you know, focus on writing strong female characters? I always give the same answer that Joss Whedon gave, which is because it's 2015 and you're still asking me that question
0: it's a very I mean, when episode. he said it
1: it was 2003 but you know <laughs> yeah.
3: oh, you, gosh, get the, you get the
1: but you get the point
3: Yeah, <laughs> i didn't mean to say it's unimportant that she is a female character obviously you know i think that's it's tremendously gratifying to see that in a in a star wars story honestly because why not i guess is like the always a thing come down to is like why sh- there's no conceivable reason this should be the domain of you know of of men in any way and you know, say what you want for the, the prequels, but at least they did, you know, develop, you know, female Jedi. They had like a little bit more representation in some of those, like, you know, rather than in the original trilogy where all of this Jedi that we see are men. Um, and especially if you then go on and watch the Clone Wars or the Star Wars Rebels TV series in which yeah. there are many female characters who play really important roles and are awesome. Um, you know, it's, it's great to see that reflected in the in the main franchise have you seen
2: the um i think it's the the sort of lego star wars um droid tales i think the little uh, tv
3: series because i know um, of them but i haven't watched they're fantastic
2: the most recent one i saw had uh, the best line in it and somebody says to yoda there aren't many women in the Star Wars universe or something like that. And he says, hmm, fix this in the future, shall we? Or... <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: They're very good in self-referential, to things. Yeah, in, in the prequels where we do have a lot uh, more, at least, if not a lot of women in, in the background playing Jedi and such like, and effectively bit parts if they've got any lines at all. The nice thing is they did take quite a lot of those in the Clone Wars and give them actual character things, which I suppose is one minor redeeming feature of mm. the prequel movies. has got the Clone Wars. And oh my God, Star Wars Rebels is amazing. Yet again, it just makes me bitter that I was not given this at the appropriate age because Hera, who's piloting the ship, she's a Twi'lek smuggler pilot with a smuggler ship. She's like, oh, oh, you're the character that I play in Star Wars um, um, uh, Old Republic. It, it, because... I like smuggling. Um, yeah, it's just oh, it's just you feel so validated and like a real person when you see reflections on the television. It's great. Exactly,
1: and the whole business of her being overpowered as well. Again, when I watched it again, I was really watching for this. And I, uh, you may have seen it floating around online. It's become a bit of a. It's been passed around a lot. I did um, a graphic talking about the original trilogy and pointing out how Luke, Han, and Vader, well, and the prequels were all incredibly high-powered characters. You know, they were all track crack shots, awesome pilots, great engineers. Han was multilingual. Uh, you know, a princess fell in love with him. Luke destroyed the Death Star with his eyes closed. Vader became the most feared Sith in the galaxy after being hacked to pieces and survived. You know, all this stuff. And yet people are saying Rey is overpowered because she helps Han fix the Millennium Falcon and she beats what is clearly a fairly novice Sith... In a lightsaber fight and he's injured, very badly injured, by the way, and she still almost gets beaten by him. So this whole idea that she's overpowered is just absolutely absurd. And I I guarantee if in an alternate universe where this is a male character, not a single person anywhere is saying, oh, he's a bit overpowered, that character, isn't he?
3: What does it matter that they're overpowered? It's not a video game where you have to have some sort of you know balance. I understand the they're not
0: these these are fictional people. They have to be you know exactly as they are in real life with their hyperspaces and laser swords and (laughs) and far flung empires and draining (laughs) a
1: sun, draining the sun (laughs) that you're orbiting of energy to fire a weapon. Now, I mean, you know, yes, it's Star Wars and the physics doesn't make any sense, but that that was the
2: one bit that I was like, wait a second. Like if we're going to get into arguing oh, that BB 8 can't go on sand, then. <laughs> I just,
0: oh, see, I would completely buy the BB 8, but that actually is a very good point. But the thing that I had a problem with was when they actually fired the weapon and you saw it shooting across stars, and I'm like, how fast is that energy going? Because. Oh,
1: they say afterwards that it's a, it is a hyper light speed weapon.
0: Okay, that's okay. okay that. That's fine then. I I obviously missed that line. foolish I, me. Probably I, munching popcorn. I'm well. No, I only fine. spotted
1: it on on second viewing, and I'm actually I'm less fine with the fact that everybody else sees it instantly.
3: Yeah, that that <laughs> that's a that's a JJ thing.
0: But I, but but calling it hyper light speed is for me yeah that'll do oh that's <laughs> fine then there <laughs> was a comment please. that
3: everybody
2: saw it at once because there was a tear in hyperspace was the comment i heard <laughs> that, yeah, is,
1: that is that what? is
3: that we say that assumes facts not in evidence yeah yeah
1: but i'll buy it
2: <laughs> jj
3: abrams i think said it so
1: <laughs> but draining the sun less so <laughs>
4: well
3: um so. yeah yeah well i i will say yeah that that was there, there are a lot of things to hand wave about, but again, if you go back and look at the original trilogy, you know, for oh, yeah, years, yeah. the nerds have hand weighed over, the Kessel run in 12 parsecs, <laughs> Yo, you know, okay. okay. which and they, they even, hang a lantern on here, yeah, which is great. About it. <laughs> um, but you know, it, hell, it doesn't really matter. It's science fiction. And this is not even science fiction. It's fantasy, right? Like right. You know, there's, this isn't our universe projected forward. It's space. It's a opera. long time ago. It's far, far away. Don't worry too much. Just don't worry. It's yeah. just a show. Just relax. Um, But
1: uh, talking about sort of bad physics and throwbacks to the original, um, what is it with the Empire putting all these vital switches and levers (laughs) like halfway down a cliff face and, you know, like the the original tractor beam around the back of, a, you know, on a tiny little walkway over an abyss oh that's how you switch the tractor beam off is it there's what? there's no
3: workplace standards in outer space <laughs> the empire and the first order both are really they don't really care too much about employee safety their <laughs> health plans are terrible like don't worry
1: but when, when ray's climbing down the wall in the hangar and she sees that switch and i'm like why is there even a lever there what are you gonna do fly a starship in
0: and lean
3: out the window and pull I it i assumed it was just I like a closet or something
0: <laughs> the engineering teams must like have this union who are so annoyed and pissed off that they're like okay, you know what we're going to do, guys? We didn't get our pay rise. (laughs) We're putting the lever over there. If they say anything about it, then there'll be no lever, so yeah
3: they're just staring at them tapping their foot you wanted a lever <laughs> I, I think there's just some there it like, is there's some
2: architect that we haven't seen yet and he like really likes designing round battle stations <laughs> <I know. laughs>
0: that was one of my favorite another favorite moment of the movie was when they were like no you're you, you were thinking of the death star this was the death star this is our new one and it's just like the death star but 10 times bigger
1: yeah and like, Han even goes so classic. it's bigger so <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was uh, yeah it's a bit like the uh the monty python uh and the holy grail thing with the castles in the swamp isn't it you know? <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> burned down <laughs> fell over and then sank into the swamp
0: <laughs> yeah but obviously this i take completely seriously of course
1: uh, talking about architects the other thing i noticed was uh One of the ways they made it really feel like the original trilogy was on Starkiller Base. Those like vertical lights Mm. in the walls, which were nowhere really to be seen in the prequels, um, Mm. but are all over the original trilogy. And Mm -hmm. just that and the slanting corridor walls and things like that. So many little design touches that do call back to the original trilogy.
3: Yeah, and that was always a problem with the original prequels, was as our technology progressed out here, um, and yet in the Star Wars universe I remember thinking that at the time like how are they going to explain how chintzy and terrible everything in the original trilogies (laughs) looks. And it turns out that's exactly what they did was, like, they sort of backpedaled it and were like, oh, it was a golden age. Everything was much more organic and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, that's not impossible. There are plenty of architectural and design school changes. If you looked, you know, 30, 40 years in the past now, you would see very different things than you see today. And if you project that forward, you would see very different things as well. But it, it never ended up feeling like Star Wars because of that. Um, And so I love that they clearly use modern technology to build all of these sets and everything. And yet the design of them and the aesthetic of them does not clash with the original trilogy right. i mean it, it's subtly done and it's not like you have all the same like crazy blinking lights and see C- there's no crt monitors in <laughs> yeah. these, which is sort of how you go in the wrong direction about that but it is nice that they tip their hat without you know feeling like they have to slavishly adhere to what the original trilogy looked like
1: yeah uh and one other uh, you may not have noticed this so much but i'm sure uh, us three did uh one other thing that made it feel like the original trilogy to me uh, was the amount of British character actors. Yeah. So Yay. that was the
2: thing that was the that was the thing that took me out of the film absolutely the most was the Scottish accent on that gang lead.
4: Yes, I, I got very there <laughs> it was very was
2: strange. I don't no, know. No, it was a perfectly fine accent. It was just the like, you know, this is space. Why are the Scottish people there? And Scottish <laughs> people are everywhere. <laughs> and it's oh Have you seen Star Trek? <laughs> but I don't know I mean <laughs> it's something like in doctor who i'm absolutely happy for all the scottishness in it and i love that the the, the doctor's scottish again and but in this it was just it was like the one thing and i was um
0: i don't so know space but, can have english accents and american accents but. yeah
2: I, I, yeah okay so i'm gonna get thrown <laughs> out of the country for this comment but
0: all right <laughs>
2: but it, it was just it was I think it was the thing was when he spoke there was a big laugh in the cinema because we were oh just, really yeah because everybody's like
0: look this is a Scottish oh, person
2: well you are ships. in Glasgow so there <laughs> is
4: that <laughs> oh wow
1: I didn't realize. See,
0: did. there was dignified reverence in my cinema. As we <laughs> well, the well that's for <laughs> <laughs> the,
1: the one that really got me was Harriet Walter, who plays the nurse. Um,
3: oh, that's who that was. <gasps> I, I saw her face, and I kept being like, "Why do I know her?"
1: Yeah, yeah. Attending to Chewie going, "You must have been very brave." <laughs> yeah, I like it was <laughs> that
3: was fantastic. That was
0: awesome.
3: Oh, I'm my. actually even a little bit sad that John Boyega doesn't get to use his actual accent, though. I could see the the I could see the same people who are upset about Ray throwing a fit over two characters with British accents. This right, yeah, is yeah. in Star Wars. Star Wars is American, uh... damn yeah.
0: Yeah, I did like the the, the Imperial, well, the not Imperials, the First Order, were sticking with the British accents thing. Oh yeah, even yeah. though they're it means they're all evil. But we're what the interesting? Villains. We've always been the villains. <laughs> but what interesting thing was was um, in the original trilogy, the all the officers and all the character actors of from Green Chill and and he's sort of turning up and that. Mm-hmm. They're all tending towards middle-aged men. Whereas in this one, um, the even the general, it was, was very young. Yeah, quite young, it, it, yeah. I thought it was a yeah. nice nod to the fact that the old empire that had been around for at least a generation that was ageing a bit, whereas this is a fresh, young mm. fascist regime and <laughs> young people are signing up and you can get straight to the top if you join up young people and want to blow on it and kill millions. Most
2: of the old people got blown up, so... Also that. Exactly, yeah.
1: Burned down, fell over into the swamp. Um, Phasma. Yeah. Speaking, mm. speaking yes! of like sort of minor characters. <laughs> oh my goodness. Like, I mean, I love Gwendolyn Christie and nobody, nobody. Mm. So I'm yeah. sure she will be back. But didn't you feel she was kind of wasted?
2: Yeah. I mean, it was like she's the Boba Fett of, yeah, of these exactly. movies. Right? Exactly <laughs> the, like, really cool character design, completely wasted. And everybody will be dressing up as her for years to
3: come. But, yeah.
0: Maybe a chance for something good next film yeah i mean she got like i
3: hope so yeah they were gonna put her down a garbage chute and like she i tried to did to... really enjoy that that line though that line this is... I, I, I liked <laughs> it
2: but i mean she gave up far too easily it was like she yo, did didn't she gun yeah. to the head oh yeah okay i'll i'll uh you know lower the shields and do everything no you won't you're like yeah, the i did expect her to kick platoon. a little more ass yeah
1: but yeah nobody so she will be back and uh mars as well um, there was no, even though her entire place was completely ruined. Oh, I assume she's totally fine.
3: Yeah, yeah. there was no
1: body. So, you know, she'll, uh, she'll, needs, a, needs sure. a
3: new job though. Uh,
1: speaking of those ruins, did anybody else get a really, really strong Lord of the Rings vibe when the, uh, Empire, not the Empire, sorry, the First Order <laughs> landed and Kylo Ren's walking through the ruins while the battle mm-hmm. goes on? I was thinking like, that's Giliath, isn't it?
3: <laughs> no, well, it, it reminded just, me a little bit of uh, the end of a New Hope with the 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 uh, Mayan temples on Yavin Four. Mm. Um, had, ah, had a right. slight vibe of that going on, which was not bad. I really enjoyed the design of just the outside of her place, which almost feels like the, with the um, there's almost like Nepalese prayer flags, like mm. the pennant flags across the. It, it's again, it, it's a nice. I feel like you do a nice job, this is this film does a nice job of the alien environments that it does yes. display, even though some of them are, you know, things that are callbacks, like Jakku feels very much like Tatooine, although a little more, you know, littered with debris and a little more sparsely populated even, um... And, but that's familiar, it's sparsely right?
2: populated because they dropped some star destroyers on everyone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I th- I find the great thing about Jakku was that it well it was it did feel different from Tatooine, which is I thought pretty impressive given that both, as far as we know, there are desert planets. It's sand, sand everywhere, and yet you're there is a very much a different feel to it, a different culture, and uh, and obviously Jakku looks amazing with what they did with the with the salvage and mm-hmm. the debris just littered there that was the, the massive season. star destroyer the,
1: the, i think that was the moment actually in the trailer in the first yeah. trailer when i saw that bit in the trailer mm-hmm. i was like oh sold sold i'm in <laughs>
3: yeah um,
1: it did have the same moisture farm uh, like machine machinery as tattoo. You still in, need moisture, though. I mean, <laughs> come
3: on, you still need to get water. I really liked the design of the uh, areas surrounding the weapon on Starkiller Base. I liked the mm. because say what you will about the sun getting drained, but it is it does provide that. That lightsaber duel in the dark forest, which I thought, well, looks and the sun going out thin. just
1: as Han dies as well. Sure,
3: yeah, which a little on the nose maybe, but I just I love the <laughs> I love the look of the fight in the forest with the snow and the trees and the darkness. Like it's just it's it looks beautiful and it it feels unlike uh, a lot of the other Star Wars duels we've seen, especially, you know, the more recent ones, which always seem to right. be in either there's lava or there's some other huge, crazy background. That
0: was one of the magnificent about things about this, was they took, they seemed to take the feel of the duel back to the original trilogy and what yeah. made it so good. Yeah. And without having anyone do the most ridiculous, over-the-top, unlikely feats, which were, of course, all down to the force, but having bits of building falling across lava that you just happen to jump to just in time, it's just... No, no, no. Yeah, it's because just... they
2: felt like video games.
0: Yes. Well, more yeah, than exactly. that,
1: the fights in the prequels, to me, felt like watching like a kendo exhibition or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They, they didn't feel like actual fights they felt like people showing off for the benefit well, of an audience and yes. what's
3: interesting about them is that they are callbacks to the original trilogy i remember you know before the prequels came out people saying i think luke is probably saying like well you know all we've really seen are untrained like old men untrained boys and like a man who's more machine right now you know those are the only examples we have of sort of lightsaber duels and so when we got to the prequels they went like the other direction entirely, right? Yeah, Which yeah. is like the super trained, hyper competent Jedi doing flips and jumps and all sorts of crazy acrobatics. Um, and now we're back to sort of two, essentially two kids, who neither of whom is really super well trained. Obviously, I think Kylo Ren has the edge in training, um, but he's not super competent in the way that any of those you know, prequels characters right, were. Right. Um, at best, he's probably on par with Luke from, like, Empire, right? You know, and and so it's interesting to see that, um, especially, you know, when you throw Finn in the mix, too, who clearly is just like, I've got a baseball bat that glows. Right. Like, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> see what I can do with that. You know, it's, it's very interesting to see. The fight choreography still looks great to my eyes and modern, but it's also believably rough yep. and yeah. impro- improvisational.
1: Speaking of Ren, uh, trailers, the snow and all that, here's the thing. Were you all, I I certainly was, waiting for the bit where he walks into frame and lights the lightsaber and then the cross yeah. guards? Like, where was that? There were, to the best of my knowledge and recollection, there were four shots in those, or four things about the trailers. Oh, there that, were several. That yeah, were not in this in the movie. Minute. There's that bit where he walks into the forest and we see the the four-pronged, three-pronged lightsaber for the first time. There is... The stormtroop, the view of the stormtrooper landing craft opening from the inside, which we never see in the movie. Hmm. Um, there is uh, Ray's line. There were stories about what happened, and you know they cut that with Han talking about the Force and saying it's all true, it's all real. Yeah. She never says that, um, and. Uh, uh, Snoke saying the dark side and the light. Yes,
3: yes, that part I caught that he doesn't say that. And yeah. some of the shots are, you know, obviously as you do oftentimes in trailers, they cut things differently. Yep. For example, in the in the third trailer where they have the minute where they it's the shot of the ship taking off and then the shot of Ray kind of looking away wistfully which are two different shots in the yep, movie yep. there's mm. the scene where she's looking wistfully is at the old woman scrubbing things and then there's the scene later on with the uh with the ship taking off so you know contextually there are different elements there my biggest right. complaint well, about well, they things- flipped
1: some shots as well yep. and yeah that sort of editing you expect but the fact that there were literally shots in there i mean the one with with ren especially it's almost as if that was filmed specifically for the trailer because it wouldn't even make much sense in, if it was in the movie, you know?
3: Right, right. And I think he doesn't even have his helmet on at that point either, which is another ah, thing. Ah, no, that's true, yeah. Um, and which I was thinking about. But the the thing that ticks me off the most is that I love the trailer music. I love the trailer music so much, and it's all mm. specific to the trailer. A lot of it's re cut versions of original movie themes some of which are used in the score elsewhere but those particular constructions for the trailers aren't anywhere i just want i i th- wish they had just thrown them as tracks on the end of the soundtrack even that would have been <laughs> plenty fine for me because those are so well put together
1: sometimes they can't though because they're by different uh people uh, well but- those
3: are all john williams i i for certain i mean he's talked about he specifically wrote new music for that first teaser oh, okay. and okay. the other stuff is definitely stuff from clearly from earlier you know the original trilogy essentially the force theme stuff it's just the arrangements are slightly different
1: right i I only say that because sometimes some trailers they like will use songs that are literally from like other movies um and some of them will use music that is actually written for the trailer but but by a different composer the best example modern example of that is the music that everybody associates with inception Mm. Uh, oh
0: the elephant farting
1: (laughs) right Um, well but not just that but the uh, just the sort of the the string bit yeah that goes over that um, that goes under that rather Um, everybody thinks that that's in the movie and it's not there's something like that in the movie by is it Hans Zimmer I think Um, but that's not the same thing and the Music in the trailer is a completely different track called Mind Crime, I think, Um, or Mind Raid, or I don't know, something like that. Uh, Mind Heist, that's it, (laughs) got there in the end, Um, by a completely different composer, and was written, I believe, for that trailer. So it's not on the original soundtrack even, you have to, if you want to get that, because I've got it, you have to buy it separately, as like its own song, because... It's, yeah, just completely different. So I wondered if that might have been the case here, but you say it's not. It is all John Williams. I,
3: I'm pretty sure. I know for a fact that the first trailer was John Williams, so I would really assume the next ones were, or at right, the worst, right. are cobbled together versions of stuff from the earlier, from the original trilogy. Because it's got all the themes. It's just, you know, it's put together in different ways. As someone who spent a lot of time listening to Star Wars soundtracks, <laughs> I, I can tell you where all the cuts are and where all the like little segues are and everything. I think
2: one of the things that... Um, it impressed me about the film or, or, or means that it was a good film is that when I was watching it, I wasn't really deconstructing it and I wasn't sort of, mm. sort of sitting right, there going, right. oh, I, I like that piece of music or, or that special effect doesn't work or, or, or that kind of thing. I was just sort of totally in it uh, really, until it ended. I mean, there was just a couple of things, like with the 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 um, snook and the um, and the, the Scottishness, which I'll shut up about. But
3: it, it, it go was, on, James.
2: Go on. It was just um, you know, for most of it, I was just you know, it's it's a whole thing which I was experiencing. There was, um,
1: I, I tried to do that with the music. Actually, I was trying to listen for themes, and the first time we heard. Ray's theme, which I think is when she is sitting in her little at-at apartment, watching ships blast off and, you know, wearing her X-Wing helmet for fun, um... And they play her theme. I think that's her theme played for the first time. Yeah. And I, I specifically thought, ah, oh, this must be her theme. I will listen to it and try and remember it. And then listen out for it when I hear it again later in the movie. And then, of course, 10 minutes later, she gets in the Millennium Falcon. And from that point on, forget <laughs> it. I, there's yeah. no meta thinking in my brain <laughs> whatsoever. Because that is that was the first bit where, uh from the moment they get in the Falcon to the moment they escape the planet in the Falcon and escape the TIE Fighters, I suddenly realised that I had just been grinning like a lunatic for the previous 10 minutes. And, you know, from that point on, again, I was just like, right, I'm in, I'm sold. I'm like, I am now just enjoying and watching this movie. Because that whole sequence with the Falcon uh, was just so great, so pitch perfect, so... I mean, perfectly aimed, obviously, at sort of nostalgic old men like me. Mm-hmm. But the kids around me seemed to be really getting into it as well. Were really excited by it as well.
0: Yeah, it's, it's just it's amazing that obviously being a fan, he he does have a template for what not to do, which I think must have been very handy because you don't often have that going into making another movie. But um, knowing the weight of those of certain particular moments and managing to get them right, mm. each one happening i think the 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 return of the introduction of the millennium falcon them finding that first of all as the garbage one i didn't even register the oh yeah the 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 garbage um joke until they'd actually were heading for the falcon i was like "Ah, oh my goodness (laughs) and then and ha and han coming on board and it was just worse and i think the most perfect of all was the the Reunion between Han and Leia, and how they cut through it with C three PO sticking yes. his head into the face. Goodness and me, then my- Han God.
3: Solo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you probably don't know, recognize me because the arm. red arm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Perfect three PO. Perfect three yeah. PO.
0: Yeah. That I think maybe cracked me up more than anything. <laughs>
1: That did get a huge laugh in the cinema yeah. when I was watching it. Yeah, everybody was just, yeah, because you're right, perfect 3 P
0: And
4: the, yeah, there
1: were so many parts of this that were kind of, yes, they were throwbacks and little callbacks for the benefit of nostalgic people like us. But like I say, you know, those moments did get certainly in the cinema where I was watching it did get, you know, laughs and cheers and excitement and stuff from the kids watching it as well. So I really, I have really high hopes that, you know, this will engender a whole new generation of Star Wars fans
2: well there's um, gonna there's presumably gonna be people who have seen this that this is the first Star Wars film they've seen
3: oh sure I, yeah. I actually went with one um and I I, I wish I had you uh, found him like, <laughs> yes <laughs> well I wish I would have talked to her a little bit more afterwards it got oh, chance, yeah. my, my my best friend from college's wife who we've tried to watch Star Wars with before she falls asleep every time oh, no. uh, and so I know I know always a good scene so we were and she's like well we decided to go to this one so she's never seen any of them all the way through and so we were trying to get an idea from her afterwards but what she thought about that and i would like to like get a chance to pin her down a little more and be like so what what did you actually think but i think she was i think she stayed awake so that's a good sign (laughs) (laughs) thumbs up lighter
4: up
1: (sighs) all right kylo ren what do we think of him as a villain?
2: Um, I like that he was basically a stroppy teenager, yeah, yeah. and I, I loved his tantrum with the lightsaber <laughs> where he sort of smashes up the, and then people just have sort of, the stormtroopers backing away right. away <laughs> they've yeah. clearly been there before, and they they, they, they know that, that just to get out of the way um, well
3: he, yeah, he's go. an immature kid i think I think James's totally right, and I think one of the fascinating things to me about having thought about this for the last couple of days is that in some ways he's the dark reflection of Luke from the original trilogy. Yes.
0: Yes, and we get that so much through through his story up to the point where he, faced with his father, can kill him.
4: Right, exactly. And that exactly. was just... It, it,
0: it, that's a part of the reason that why I think this movie manages to work so well. There are so many bits of it that have reflections in the original trilogy, and that... I think have been disparaged in some places as being it's kind of more of a remake than a new movie but I think particularly for Star Wars it works so well because it is all about the you know a, a cycle of a legend the toing and froing between the dark side and the light side and for this to be the next generation where we're getting like and, and for the actual fact, if you're interested in what happened, what the previous adven- generation's adventures were like, you don't have the prequels to look at if you were a fan of the Star Wars, if you were a fan of these Star Wars and want to know what the last lot were like. You've got proper movies to look at, which I just think is it's very kind.
3: Don't, don't, don't you know, Liz, that the entire prequel is, in fact, full of repl- the prequels are all replete with... <laughs> <laughs> oh, please don't,
1: don't. Not the Ring Theory, to- no. Sorry. <laughs> I, I'm <laughs> waiting Sorry, for them to add, like,
2: BB-8 rolling through the back of the prequels or something. <laughs> oh,
3: wow. Oh, please don't.
1: I really liked mm. that Ren wasn't, that they didn't even try to make another Vader.
3: Right, he's a, he's a Vader wannabe. Yeah, that's well, the that's best. yeah, he's a
1: Vader fanboy, yeah. yeah but that must fanboy. have been so tempting but for he's, them, he's you
2: He's know. basically cosplaying as Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah, I,
0: he's kind of like a personification of the writer's frustrations of how am I going to live up to Vader.
1: (laughs) Right, yeah, yeah, because you can't, you you can't. And so I think it's great that they just steered away from that completely because, let's face it, if they had tried to make you know, a sort of Vader-alike, they'd be getting criticisms, probably from the same people who don't like Ren, um, that they failed to make somebody as imposing, oh, you well, you'll never make somebody who was as iconic and imposing as Vader. It's like, so they didn't even try, didn't yeah. even try, and instead make somebody really interesting and very, very well-performed, I thought. I'd never, I had no idea who Adam Driver even was. I've never seen Girls, never heard of him before. It's only in the last couple of days that I've heard, you know, learned who he was. And I thought he was brilliant.
3: He's, he's great in this. I, I thought the best analysis of, of Kylo Ren as a character, um, I read a review uh, that my friend Matt Drance posted somewhere, um, and he mentioned how in some ways Kylo Ren is kind of the embodiment of all those people that we were just talking about who are so annoyed <laughs> yeah. with Ray, And like, he's he's essentially kind of a troll, right? Like, and there is almost that element at the end where he tells uh, you know does he tell is it Finn or Ray that he's like that's my lightsaber basically with with Luke's original yeah. lightsaber it, it's when and,
1: Finn has it yeah
3: yeah and he's like it's, it's like you know there's an, almost an element of possession of that like no you're not you're not a you're real a fake Star Wars. Jedi. yeah you're just a yeah, fake Jedi boy uh and so I I think it's great that he is kind of like in some ways that is sort of the manifestation of of menace and villainy in our in our society today in the same way that like you know i think back to when you know in raiders of the lost ark where where spielberg is using sort of the nazis and how the nazis have become shorthand uh and you know obviously the empire borrows a lot from that iconography and stuff and and we don't necessarily even more so right right and we don't even we don't necessarily have that as something that's a you know the kind of threats that we deal with in the in the world today right there isn't like that sort of you know nazi party german sweeping europe thing but there is Menace and and just sort Do of
0: have Trump,
3: ven- <laughs> yeah. not not to make this a political podcast, but there is menace <laughs> was- and venomous acts like the internet and like just the sort of like that that prepossession with like I'm right, you're wrong. I don't know that whole egotism. It is whiny teenager, him is like so much of the menace that we face these days. That in some ways it it makes a better resonant villainy than that than that retread of the original. Would
1: it's a more modern villain? I saw somebody refer to him as MRA Sith. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah, you could do worse than that. That's pretty yeah. good.
0: No, I think I think the the fa- the fascism that they were sort of riffing on here was um especially with calling their leader as going supreme leader supreme and the way leader. that the general was delivering the speech. It sort of it's pinged a bit more um Mussolini and Hitler than mm, it did mm. towards Nazis and there is sort of poking fun at it in well, a way because than because
4: Nazism, yeah.
0: Yeah, because the, the the Italian fascists if we the, the, <laughs> They are ridiculous in many, many ways. And Muslim especially, and if you watch any of his speeches, it's, it's, it's very difficult to take him seriously because, and they were definitely, to me, they felt like they were verging more in that direction. And as, and, and I, what I interpreted as a subtle poking fun at it, which is what you should do because it's a terrible, terrible thing and it should be laughed at. But, um, but yeah, no, that was interesting.
2: The, the thing with uh kylo ren that surprised me was um who his parents were because i went into the film absolutely convinced well rey is clearly going to be you know han and leia's daughter and kylo ren might be luke skywalker's son or something like that and i think it's probably the complete opposite is true and and they mm. drop that they drop that within about you know Whatever it is, 20 minutes into the film where uh, Snoke says, uh, you know, your father or something. And you go, oh, right.
1: Okay. Yeah, it says she's it's when Ray's escapes and it's like he escapes with the help of your father. Yeah, in right. in the Millennium Falcon with your father Han Solo. It's like, "Oh, okay, let's lay all our cards yeah, on the table." I, almost
3: offhandedly, which was kind of odd for me. There yeah. wasn't like there's no climactic reveal there. It's just like it's just like, "Oh, BT Dubs." Yes, but I think that I think <laughs> you're right
1: that that's a good subversion because it means we don't have the whole I am yep. your father thing, you know, sort of because hmm. people would have been expecting that.
3: I yeah. am your son, It's yeah. another way
0: again, which it does it is interpreting and and reinterpreting the originals children in its own way for the new generation type thing, which I wish someone would just go through all the points where it does that Oh, I I'm sure somebody will. They're, the, the, I find it fascinating what they've chosen to do with with the effectively the the characters in the legend this time round.
1: As soon as somebody gets hold of a DVD copy, I'm sure that they will do exactly that. Um, <laughs> so, so uh, segue Ray's parentage.
3: Is yeah. she Luke's daughter? Oh, I daughter want her to be Luke's or, daughter. Well, no, or, I, is, I want her to is not she be Han and Leia's daughter. I want her to be not be anybody's daughter. Well, <laughs> uh, so I be... would actually
1: prefer that as well. But I think it's fairly clear from all the emphasis on her, about her family and lineage that that's not going to
2: be the case. I mean, if she's Han's daughter, I mean, the, the phrase that popped into my head was, it's your kid's hand. Something's got to be done about your kids.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, when Christopher Lloyd shows up, this movie's really gone off the rails. Yeah.
2: But um, I think, I mean, just with the, the handover of the lightsaber uh, in, in the last scene, there seemed to be, you know, I don't know if Luke was going, hmm, she looks vaguely familiar, um, <laughs> that I abandoned her on a planet. Uh,
0: oh, I thought he was saying, I must look as much like Alec Guinness as I can. Yeah, well, <laughs> I that's what face. I was thought. I thought,
3: too, is that I think there's a resonance in the story of her being so much like Luke in her upbringing that makes it a little too over the top if she is also Luke's actual daughter. Because in some ways it's like, well, I've got to turn my daughter into an awesome Jedi. I'll do exactly what was done with me because right, that recipe right. worked great. <laughs> like, uh, I should leave her on a desert planet, and but the um, I, and she can watch her mentor get killed by an evil right. Sith. Exactly, and I, I feel like in some ways the resonance, and I talked a little bit about this on the incomparable uh, previously, was the whole like Joseph Campbell sort of hero cycle, right? Like there is enough that it's a, her story is already an echo of Luke's mm. um, that you right. doesn't have to be believed by making her necessarily relate to someone else. Yes, there are clearly questions about her parentage. I'm um, just, And maybe not that'll like, get resolved. I'm just also not clear how much it needs to be. I felt like it did. she didn't need that extra level of motivation. She already seems pretty darn motivated. I
2: think motivated. the fact that they didn't resolve it and they left it open means that they're at least thinking about it. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is well, stuff- or,
1: or they're not. Because one of the things that struck me at the time was how effectively... In the, you know, in very, very short sort of amount of screen time, they established, oh, she was abandoned by her parents. She's waiting for them to come back. They're never going to come back. Isn't that terrible? And, you know, the actual amount of screen time that takes up is a tiny, tiny portion of the movie. And yet it's done very effectively and, you know, is sort of strong enough that when she has that conversation with Mars about, you know, and Mars says they're never coming back for you, you've got to look to the future um that's a really powerful moment and so i was thinking like wow they did a really good job there but then of course then i started thinking wait hang on a second what if her parents are important
2: yeah there there was something i read um that was talking about some of the books i don't know if it was the novelization or something that suggests that the um scavenger boss guy might be sort of keeping an eye on her for somebody um, and the fact yeah. that he he kept the Millennium Falcon and he didn't allow it to be scrapped, and th- there was there was some specific language about this. So people were, I think, are speculating that you know maybe he was the, you know, she was entrusted in some sense right. to yeah. him.
1: Maybe I've, I actually feel really bad about all the transmedia stuff because loads of my friends in the industry are like doing that stuff are working on, you know, I've got like Kieran Gillen is doing the Vader comics. Greg Rucker's is doing novels. Jason Aaron is doing some uh, like prequel comics, I think. Um, and, you know, I I just feel really bad because the whole, like i said i avoided all spoilers so i did mm. not read i've not read any of that stuff and i normally i'd normally try to read everything written by my friends <laughs> but i've been like have you read that no sorry sorry not getting that no because i didn't want anything that could even risk even a hint of a spoiler so you you might be right about that but, business the, with the trader, but the, I have no idea. I
3: would totally strangle a Gungan to be able to work on one of those. <laughs> or two <laughs> or three Gungans! There
2: was something... The, the other thing was that the, that character, the Unkar Putt or however it's pronounced, um, apparently there were more scenes that were shot with him and there was one yeah. where Chewie rips his arms off.
4: <laughs> oh!
2: And clearly... Did he beat him at chess? <laughs> and somebody must have said... Hmm. Do we want actual dismemberment with Wookiees?
0: Or do we yeah. want to keep her nice PG thirteen like the kids in certificates? So, know, oh they, my ma- they managed it in
2: Revenge of the Sith, didn't they? So I don't know if they changed their mind or if there was more to that character that just didn't end up on the screen. <gasps> or yeah. maybe he will
3: end up enough in a subsequent one. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm really back and, and he'll have a red arm as well. <laughs> <laughs>
4: uh,
1: oh, that's a joke that's gonna keep on giving that, isn't it? Um I thought Finn was dead at the end because, like, they don't do really much of anything to convince you that he's not. Um, I uh, I only noticed again at second time watching that he is breathing ever so slightly in that final shot where she kisses him on the forehead and says, "I'll, I'll see you again."
0: Um, oh, I'm sure if he was a dead body, that they'd have covered him up or something. You don't just leave dead corpses lying there around. There would have the been a hospital. little more.
3: Yeah, then there would have been a little more, I feel like, fanfare over it, yeah, I he, guess. Yeah, it's just, to me, I Didn't thought feel it was like, like it
2: yeah, uh, it was a bit like Han frozen in carbonite. You know, he's yeah. he's well, out for the count exactly. and he'll be back next time. Or I guess. look
0: in the thingy tank. And yeah. he, that's well, because yeah. the they knocking it, and waving.
1: Right. But if they'd shown him in a back to tank, then yeah, sure, you know, fair enough, he's being healed. But there was nobody attending to him. There were no medics anywhere saying, get out of the way, we can fix him, we have the technology.
0: It, it was probably a medical coma so that his body could recover from its grievous windings and snow Frost.
1: You may well bites. be right. But would it have killed them to have two words
0: <laughs> you know, saying
1: <laughs> that? Well they Still do alive. they
3: briefly okay, they do say when they take him off the ship at the very end, one of them and like Ray is talking to Leia, I think, or something. They say he's got a heartbeat. Someone in the background. Oh really? I noticed, oh, I didn't yeah, notice that. Yeah, I did that. notice that. So I knew oh, he was okay. alive. All right. Um, but I, I was thinking like, oh, maybe like his body is we've repaired his body, but his mind is not functioning or something. Maybe he will have amnesia <gasps> in the next. Or, one. I don't. Know. Or the other
1: way around. You know.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I look forward to seeing. I really like Finn as a character. Yeah. I think he's yeah. he's an intriguing character because yep. he is a he has elements of like he wants to do the right thing, but he's also kind of a coward. But he does really like you know. I think the fact that he does do he does go through and try to do the right thing despite the fact that he's clearly really terrified um yeah. it's just such a great character I, I um, because he was
1: a coward he was just really unsure of himself and i
0: think way out of well he dead. tries to run i mean, I mean like he, he does he, so he said that was his first firefight fight there i mean he's never right. been in a battle before
2: yeah it sounded like he had ptsd and he just wanted yeah exactly to yeah. dodge
3: Yeah, and the only thing he expresses sort of is that he's like, you can't beat the First Order. Like, I don't want anything to do with them. I want to be out of here. But he... Manages to get over that, and because Ray is in trouble, and he's like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on this mission, um, and he picks up the lightsaber to fight Kylo Ren when he, you know, like even though he probably has an idea that he's not really right. going that's to be not able to go so well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that, like, and that's that's heroism, right? Like yes, that it is. is the, yeah. the well, exactly... and that's why I say I don't think he's a
1: coward. Yeah,
3: right. It's not. He's got the. I think that maybe the, the the PTSD assessment is closer, not exactly cowardice, but sort of a you know he's he's got fear, right? Like he's conquering his right. fear, and that. Sure is also a great uh beat because it is such a bit of the even if he is not a force user that is such an element of the jedi code that there's almost something to being a jedi without the force powers right like you know it's like the super it's like when you have superheroes who don't have powers and they're like you know i'm gonna do this anyways because it's the right thing to do even though i don't necessarily stand a chance
1: um, but I loved he- that he wasn't immediately self-assured and yeah, just oh, sort yeah. of, you could see him getting to grips with bits and getting overexcited and you know, when he's getting up in Phasma's face, I'm in control now. <laughs> Dial
3: it down, kid. I'm um, totally with the
1: resistance. But I love his reaction when he realises, when he's in the back of the TIE fighter with Poe and he realises that he's got himself in way deeper, he just thinks that he's rescuing a pilot and then Poe's like, oh yeah. The, uh, the droid down on the planet, he's got like the map to Luke Skywalker. And he goes, Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> His comic timing is amazing. And there are so many good jokes as well. I really I wish- liked
2: the. the sorry. I really just I really like the scene where he's basically negotiating with BB-8 not to sell him yes. out. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know, it's wonderful because he's the only one talking, and yet we know exactly what BB-8 is saying. It's beautiful. My favourite one is is that when he is like, why does everyone want to go back to Jakku? I don't want to go back to Jakku.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, they really hit a goldmine in terms of, I think, the casting on all three of those major characters. Oh, yes. Yeah. Who are just were just perfect and you yeah. know it's it's really i think to the strengths of jj abrams and his team that they are they are really good at casting if if any if you want to take one thing away from this the star trek reboots they are really good at casting that uh, is and
0: actually I- a very good point yeah, and I think
3: that they. I think they chose really well with both Daisy Ridley, who is a who is a huge find, right? Like she is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she's yeah. been basically nothing before this, and she just sort of she totally owns that. John Boyega is fantastic. I really love him. Oscar Isaac, who is already sort of the he's the Harrison Ford of this. Bunch. He's, he's the already, one that I'd
1: never even heard of before.
3: Yeah, I, well, I knew him. he had been around. He did a Coen Brothers movie a couple of years ago. He had his star was definitely on the way up. He's I think also he's,
2: in X Machina with um, right. I
3: haven't seen that yet. And he's in the next X Men movie too with uh, Domhnall Gleeson who plays yes, yep. uh, General Hux um, and so I feel like he's the he's the Harrison Ford of this trilogy where it's like he's the most well-known the most well-established maybe not a huge star yet but like clearly on the way up whereas the other two are, are much less known though John Boyega does have a, a couple of features under his belt um, but they're just all three of them have tremendous chemistry Um, they're all charming, uh, they're all charismatic, they all do great jobs with their various characters, and I just, I'm so excited, like, I feel that's, if nothing else, Star Wars rests so heavily on its characters, that I feel like the idea of, you took out, like, a, like, if you had action figures of these guys, and you were, like, you're a kid, and you're playing with action figures, they all have such defined personalities in a way that so many action movies, I feel like, well, I'm just, you know, I'm archetype template number one. I'm archetype template oh, number right. two. Characters become
1: ciphers, yeah.
3: Yeah, let's go on an adventure. And it's like, in this case, no, these guys have defined personalities and defined traits that, like, if you were, like, sitting down and, like, making up stories about them, in some ways it does start to write itself because they have these characters already, you know, defined for them. So I just... Uh, just that was... The biggest problem with the prequels, for no, for, was the lack of characters. <laughs> oh, the yeah. lack of yeah. characters. Oh, no one yeah. is a character in those movies, and so that is so refreshing. Oh, lo- lots of <laughs>
1: characters, not a not a single personality between them.
0: <laughs> oh god! <laughs> yeah, it's, no, it's it's terrifying thinking about it. Kids but, um,
1: playing um, just occurred to me. They're all going to be trying to do the Kylo Ren voice you know like we all did the <laughs> for vader in the playground they're all going to be trying to do kylo ren how do you unless you've got a distortion pedal to hand how are you going to do that because it's massively overdriven and a slight <laughs> touch of distortion <laughs> on it yeah, no, no.
2: i thought it was very easy to understand as well like unlike yeah. bane mm. from uh batman yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was it was a similar kind of effect but it, it was just done so much better
1: yeah but it is kind of, um, if you go back and listen to like early 90s industrial music, you know, Ministry of Nine Inch Nails and stuff, that's what that is. That's singing <laughs> through a, a distortion mm. pedal. And this was clearly filtered through the same kind of distortion and overdrive effects that you get with those pedals. So how kids are going to try and emulate that, I don't even want to think.
3: <laughs>
2: It's probably
3: there's probably an iPhone app for it already. (laughs) 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 Although probably the Star Wars uh, uh, app will have that eventually, since they've got everything else in there.
0: Well, I will say I went into this and I was really worried that I wasn't going to like the new characters. And I yeah, it's down to the casting there, the reason. And I should have been more trusting because whatever other problems I have with the with the Star Trek movies, the one thing I'm can argue with is that I'm really impressed with all the characters, even the ones that I don't quite like that are still decent enough, and that's amazing considering there's like eight or nine of them that they had to recast. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We haven't mentioned Leah at all very much, right? No, that's. What... I was pretty excited when I heard this. Oh, this was the, I, I picked up a handful of very, very many spoilers. Probably went in, and one of the things was I knew that she was going to be General Leah because I watched mm, that interview mm. with her, or that was with the doggy um, on that American show <laughs> with the thing, the amazing interview. Yeah, and. Um, and it was just so exciting that she gets to be a general, and the the way they defined her her character there with the relationship between her and Han, and we instantly knew exactly what had happened to it, despite it being thirty five years. The picture of it was built up just like the um the the picture of uh, Ray and her past so quickly in just a few lines, and yet it fills it all in, and you can it was a undoubtedly fill in with novels or something at some point, but I leave it to imagination. It's, they do it. Very well. And having her um, return "Return to what she does best. And this is what she finds satisfaction. Her life calling is resistance fighting. Right. Oh, (laughs) Mm. that's brilliant. Being a
1: gorilla. Yeah, it
3: it was kind of great because I was thinking about that today, actually, and thinking how in all the expanded universe stuff that came before, she's always positioned as much more of a a diplomat, a politician, uh, you know, a leader, but someone who is much more on the civilian side of things. Um, and it's so it's such a it's such a left turn from that, and yet such a delightful welcome left turn, and and one that makes perfect sense given, you know, throwing all that out and going from what we have as canon. I mean, if you look at her roles in again, having just watched Return of the Jedi, you look at her role in that, you know, clearly this makes a lot of sense. This is of course where her career would go, right? Like she she has a mil she's developed a military background, she spent all that time as a resistance fighter uh in the thick of things, and she is clearly like a strategist and even as as she's gotten older she's probably gotten even more experience with that and so it, it's such a great um it's such a great decision that i found like just not where i was expecting things to go and yet something that made perfect sense to me um that i just i really i really love that i think it's a great move
1: yeah i know you mean you're almost You might have been expecting her to be back leading the Senate or something, you know, back in the sort of long white robes and, yeah, becoming a senior diplomat or leader of the new republic.
3: People were saying, like, oh, she's now she's Mon Mothma. I'm like, she's not Mon Mothma. She's like the she's like the general from A New Hope. She's like General Dodonna from the New Hope. She's like she's in charge of this whole thing. She's not just like sort of the political figurehead to give them legitimacy. She is actually on the ground doing, you know, doing stuff. Well it's good
2: because we didn't really need lots of political scenes. No. <laughs> Had quite enough of those.
3: I do have one I've already established this, but I do I am frustrated with the treatment of the Republic versus the resistance in this, yeah, which I it's find not clear yeah. at all. It's is it? not yeah. done well yeah. and it's it's frustrating because I thought as I saw someone remarking today online, one of the frustrations is we've spent all this time striving for the ideals of the Republic in the original trilogy, and now we get it back and it's summarily dispatched in about you know half an hour for so exactly it's completely
1: ineffective yeah <laughs>
3: right and so they it's blew
0: up coruscant
3: it, it, they blew up something they did not say it yeah, the was ho- something
1: in the hosnian system which i yeah. believe coruscant is not uh, again i'm not massively knowledgeable about that sort of stuff and but
3: f- from what i know it isn't and, and and you know maybe it is be- just because i am so interested to know what has happened in these intervening years how did the empire the fragments of the empire you know get dispatched
1: maybe that's what the anthology movies will uh cover
3: I will be interested to see if they go back and backfill some of this because there's very little about it. In You're here. basically saying you want prequel movies, You're right? <laughs> 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 that thought did occur to me. Yeah, <laughs> I want prequels to the sequels, is what I want. Uh, is, is
2: there a word for that?
3: Yeah, and and there is. I, I I really like you know sci-fi politics intrigue. I'm thinking of like stuff like I'm watching The Expanse now. I read all the books on that, and I think there is a there is a cool, interesting Star Wars story to be told in that, and stuff that I think was done well in some of the expanded universe stuff before, but no. Not in the, the core story. Things. Doesn't need to be done here. You know, it doesn't fit in a two hour movie necessarily, but it does fit feel kind of it was the one thing that i felt sloppy because it didn't really make sense why is the republic backing a guerrilla arm why do they not have control yes but so secretly that everybody knows and so we're gonna blow up the republic (laughs) anyways we
2: can have like a 20 part house of cards style series
1: (laughs) i (laughs) I wouldn't put it past them
0: (laughs) sign me up i'm
2: on board
1: Snoke, the supreme leader. Speaking of the first order and <laughs> the republic Did and all that, George
0: Lucas get to name her or something. <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: but, we've all been snookered. Uh, our mutual friend Moisés Chian has a theory that he might be a not dead Darth Plagueis.
3: I, I don't. Which
0: which I think, think is a really Darth Plagueis.
1: Plague, Plagueis is the one who um, he was Palpatine's mentor.
0: All and right, okay. supposedly
1: says Palpatine I think. tells. Anakin Skywalker, the story of Darth Plagueis, because he conquered death. He was so powerful in the Force that he learned how to conquer death before his apprentice, i.e. Palpatine, killed him.
0: I I had to kill one of those in the Old Republic.
1: Right. (laughs) As you do, it was a Tuesday. Um, But I think that's, I mean, who knows whether that's actually, uh, you know, correct. But I think that's an interesting theory. That would be a way of you know directly connecting it back to the prequels but not in a way that kind of ruins it's like it.
0: you <laughs> circle around the prequels and bring them all together yeah, but you're yeah. not actually touching right the prequels. right he's never
2: seen in the prequels <laughs> just talked about that was the thing that i disliked most about the prequels was that everything happened to be connected to everything else yeah and you know it doesn't I don't feel it has to be, you know, a character we've seen before.
1: No, but Um, if he's not, then suddenly we have a mega powerful Sith who just came out of nowhere in the last 30 years, you know? and looks yeah. a thousand years old
3: is he a sith though i mean that's the other question well, i mean yeah. like i yeah i mean he might be but like there are i did like particularly maz's line where she talks about how evil keeps arriving and always has a different name the sith the empire the, the first order etc so you know again sort of corresponding to that same theory about
1: snoke doesn't actually use the word sith at any point i don't think no
3: right exactly and, it, and even in the original trilogy sith is is you know ill-defined right we know darth vader is a dark lord of the sith but nothing is made no mention is made of the emperor being a sith lord uh, in the
0: old republic it's much better defined they've got loads of little codex entries you can read <laughs> well
3: it's all it's all sith now here they're everywhere I hate um, I hate everybody being called Darth too. If only because it reminds me of that one line in, in A New Hope where where Obi Wan Kenobi calls Vader Darth. You can't name.
1: You can't win Lord. Yeah, it's, it's,
4: it's,
2: yeah, it's, it's so bizarre. I mean, the, the the Snoke could be some like some other teenage kid with some projection device. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true.
1: Sitting that would in be his amazing. But is that really the image that you'd project if you could?
3: He <laughs> just tries on a different one every week. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right, a sort of aging golem with bits missing from his face. Uh, that was very strange. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. Um, Adam Driver's floppy hair. Love it. I well, I love it as well. I've some people complaining about that as well. saying, that, you your hair, know, hippie? His hair was too floppy. That it makes him look well, too long and it makes him look like an emo kid and all that. But one of the things I liked about it was because it frames his face perfectly. So even when he takes off the helmet, he still mm-hmm. looks mm-hmm. like he's wearing a helmet almost. <laughs> It looks like he's always wearing a hood, you know, because his yeah. face is just in the middle of this sea of black.
0: I have no yeah. objections to his hair; it looked fine. <laughs> it was, it was nice hair. It you know, I did, hard. I did like, I did like the we taking off the helmet, and it's just, you know, it's a just more a normal or looking a teenage guy. kid under there, yeah. And it's not, you know, that that was nice. And but he did
2: get a nice scar
1: at the end. Right, but he didn't have it to start yeah. with, yeah. yeah.
0: He totally would be oh, he must be so happy about that. Because he's like grandfather, yeah, right. look what I got today. He's probably so, going in, going like, I've been injured, quick, give me a
1: cybernetic shoulder. It's just a <laughs> scratch. No no no, replace it. Yeah.
3: Take my hand off so I can get a new hand. Yeah. He'll cut his own hand off.
1: Yeah. yeah. You don't understand.
2: Cut his hand off and say it came off in the back. He's a method he's a method yeah. Sith. Yeah. Oh
0: although it look's seeing Luke's robotic hand right at the end there, that was weirdly oh, creepy yeah, yeah. moment there. That was that was a nice decision.
1: The flashback. Ah, now there's a point. Right, okay. So Ray's sort of, you know, force vision when she touches the lightsaber. We get her in a starship that's collapsing. Uh, you know, it could be anything. I mean, it looks sort of, you know, First Order Imperial-ish, but it could be anything. Then she uh, sees Luke presumably giving the uh, plans to r and telling r you know, go and sleep until the right time or whatever. Um, you know, with his robotic hand on him. And then you get the Knights of Ren thing. And it's really, that's the one part where you're like, is this a f- vision of the future? Or is it a flashback? Because it's really hard to tell which that is. You know,
2: I assumed with the Knights of Ren that that was basically his classmates from. Well, that's Luke's what I thought, Jedi, Jedi Academy. But
1: I've seen people since saying no, the, the, it's a it's a vision of the future. Like, and she, you know, of her fighting the Knights of Ren in the future
2: may yeah. still be his
3: classmates.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, I just wonder yeah, you know, is there a consensus on this? Because I'm really confused now.
3: I I don't know enough about what people have been saying about it, but I've definitely... I also thought it was maybe his his fellow classmates being trained by luke although at that point you wonder a how many trainees were there and b how many of them went bad right right um and so and there luke is... was saying stop wearing the mask step one
1: well and that whole se- that scene does start with ren killing somebody with his uh you know cross lightsaber but it's impossible to tell who it is
3: yeah, and of all the scenes that I want to see a second time, the the flashback is the biggest one because it's so unclear.
1: Right, and I did, and I was like really watching, you know, didn't blink, watching really carefully, and it's just way too fast to actually tell who he kills and what's going on.
2: There was something in the press today that was talking about how Ewan McGregor had recorded mm-hmm. new dialogue for that scene overlaid, I think, with Alec Guinness.
3: Oh, yes, yeah, I saw that, yeah. They use Alec Guinness's, they use him saying afraid to say Ray they mm. take that syllable out of it, and then they right. overlay with that with you and McGregor to saying something about you've taken your first steps or something like that. So, I mean, technically, you could still yeah, you and McGregor still around. What if you brought him back as a force ghost? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that, that was my question: is where are all the force ghosts? Because
2: why does nobody show up and say, you know, or oh, by hey! the way, are they only show sure up when going? there's a
3: party. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, they should just get a bunch of Ewoks. Back to Endor, everybody.
1: Right, so, okay, let, let's start to wrap this up. The one thing about this movie that felt a little bit flat to me, I perhaps ironically, was the attack by the X-Wings on Starkiller Base. I loved all the X-Wing sequences, I loved all the Starship sequences, and even that was the sequences themselves, individually, were great, including the, uh, don't call it a trench run, but... <laughs> But the actual destruction of the base at the end felt really flat for me, and I think a lot of that was actually down to the score, which didn't sort of feel triumphant, and the editing, because you have the attack on the base, and, okay, it's starting to go badly, you know, oh, we need to make lots and lots of bombing passes, and we're getting shot to pieces. But then they cut away to everything else that's going on for so long that by the time we return to it, you've kind of, you know, not forgotten about it, but it's just, and then it's over really quickly. And it's just, it's the one part of it that I felt was a bit kind of cursory.
0: Yeah, it doesn't have that moment like in Star Wars where you've got Luke making the run and and then uh, the Millennium Falcon flies in at the last moment and that's the moment where the audience are like, hell yeah, yeah hurrah. Yeah. And we all feel really good and excited and happy and go home delighted. I mean, delighted with the rest, but that's the really moment where it gives you that emotional punch. And I felt there was a sort of, a, 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 like a miniature one with the X-Wing turning up on... Uh, the other place. Oh, on
1: uh, place.
0: That's the thing. Yes, that one. I'm very good at Star Wars names. But there was a little <laughs> bit there when the X-Wing's flying and you're thinking, yeah. And I was thinking, excellent. That was really good. That was awesome, what, yeah. I wonder what the finale is going to be because that one felt pretty great. And yeah, I was kind of waiting for that hell yeah, brilliant, let's shoot thing and all go home moment. But it never quite came.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, oh gosh, this is terrible and embarrassing. But um, this is because... Slightly because of that didn't happen. There was quite a lot through Han Solo's death, through when it was clear what was going to happen, through the whole getting stabbed by the lightsaber thing, and then the whole falling off the bridge in the bit. And I kept thinking, he could come back from that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he could probably come back but they'll find a way to bring him back He's from that Okay, he missed
2: all the vital organs and then there was a net at the bottom yeah. and then they put him in a ship and got him out before the thing blew up
4: mm-hmm. oh, I love yes, that the kind
2: death, of the, was like,
0: the okay, death of a maybe. major
1: beloved character and it's like and the whole falling off <laughs> a bridge thing
0: yeah <laughs> and, and, yeah and I finally by the time that I would accepted you probably weren't actually going to bring him back then everything had exploded, and I was like, "Oh, okay." And it, they sort of claw it back a little bit with with Ray's ascent at the end, but it, uh, yeah, I do feel it's mis- missing that vital. Oh, I, I don't think knockout. it sort
1: of detracted from the overall feeling of you know climax. And yeah, you know, the end was very, very powerful. It was just that one like, little bit. It's yeah. like
0: someone forgot to put the final chocolate button at the top of the chocolate button cake. <laughs> the cake is delicious <laughs> no, no, it looks no, no. really really good we love the cake but you're just like isn't there something missing in the red? just that yeah that's well, what, what i, I
2: what i was thinking was you know so population of original death star was i think it's about three hundred thousand people and this thing was you know a planet a hundred times the size or something right. and it's like so let's say you know you've got 100 million or something on that. How do you get people to apply for those kind of jobs, given what happened to the previous two Death Stars? Well, Times are hard. You, you,
0: you let them yeah. know what happened. Either like Luke Skywalker's disappeared, Han Solo. Yeah, he's lost the the odds are low. You know, it's fine. <laughs> how, many, how many Death Stars can actually be born up? Okay, it's two so far, but this is, this is, yeah. 100% After so this. far. <laughs> if there's a
2: single round battle station in the rest of all the Star Wars films. It's just, it's <laughs> unlikely because
3: after three, people are going to start to think.
1: Yeah, times are hard and taxes are high, you know. Somewhere
3: there is a good, uh, there's a good article, it might have been on Slate, which is the, some someone wrote the memos between General Hux and the designer of Starkiller Base like, like just <laughs> oh, going wow. over like the minutiae. Of, oh like, also, could you really just like, I feel like that that's a very accessible, easy place to shoot things. Could we like cover that up or something in the next version? Oh, you've run over cost. <laughs> this is getting out of control. It's it's a very funny article. I uh, highly. recommend I would that. like
0: to know how they managed to get the money for it, though. After, because it is it is exponentially bigger than the. Well, I think that's presumably
2: move. it was a planet or right, something, right. and then they just carved some bits out of it. Yeah, um, but you like can a it's still like fairly
1: expensive. That's a lot of earthwork.
2: Yeah. Well, they've got like little diggers with lightsabers on them, and it's really quick. <laughs> 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 oh man. Oh.
1: Uh, but uh, on a to end on a positive note I will say people actually applauded at the end
3: yeah, in the here. cinema
1: where I was watching it now well, now in America that's not so uncommon in the UK that never happens.
3: That <laughs> yeah, is the I, first
1: time I have ever been in a British cinema and people sp- just spontaneously burst into applause at the end when the you know the music came up at the end.
2: Yeah, I think there was there was there was certainly a smattering of light applause. It it wasn't like I've been in American cinemas with the, with the whole whooping, um, but
3: <laughs> it was
2: it, it you know the the, the it, was, it was British applause, but it was applause yes.
0: nevertheless. <laughs> yes, uh, we we had no applause. Although when the one time I had been to an American cinema, there wasn't any applause there either. But it was the. It incredible
3: doesn't happen Hulk, every time. So. Uh, well. It, uh, oh, which yeah, one? That was not a movie. That, the, no, it doesn't the, matter. The none of those. The answer oh, is another question.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. All right. We have been going for almost two hours. Uh, and we are only the first of three podcasts recording tonight
3: <laughs> about Star Wars. <laughs> so uh, oh, let us
1: bring this to a close. Uh, thank you very much for joining me on this lovely UK stroke East Coast stroke Northern uh, edition of the force awakens um discussion dan moran thank you very much
3: thank you very much for having me
1: liz miles thank you for joining us from scotland
0: thank you very much
1: and Jamie thompson thank you for joining us also
2: from scotland i'm silently standing on top of a hill and i expect to be paid millions of dollars
1: okay can you just stand there for about 60 seconds while we get the chopper into position don't move it'll be really awkward and you'll look really (laughs) uncomfortable
3: it's more like an hour (laughs) yeah you gotta fly it around
1: man so uncomfortable (gasps) (laughs) a pleasure and thank you everybody out there for listening happy holidays and of course may the force be with you